Shark Dropper Studios presents to you Top 5 5, five 4, four three, podcast you're listening to top five i'm jonathan moss i'm your host as always i have robert lamb and john lazavath from shark dropper uh, podcast and special guests today we have doppel avenue hertz uh jj caraballo caraballo <laughs> nice sorry i had to skip up on it it's totally okay um so if you listen to our first podcast, you've kind of got the gist of what we're doing here. We're just taking random subjects, and we're counting down our personal top five of those subjects. Right. Today is our top five movies. Thanks for joining us. You know, gentlemen, I don't really have an intro for this, so let's just do this. Boys, have you ever seen a movie before? Uh, No. <laughs> Tell no. me more about well, it. It was like one time in my life I thought I saw one. Um, there's like TV show count. Mm, it's like a short movie, I think. <laughs> so you do know what movies are? I think I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, well, that's my intro. Thank you very much. Okay, cool. Nice one. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> do you don't have like a little history lesson like you did with the cocktails? <laughs> no, I really don't. Here, I got one. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Movies, talking pictures. George Milius. Wait, movies are talking pictures? Yeah. Recording. Okay. Film. Right. What are things Plots. that... Act one, act two, act three. Wait, are we playing ad-libs What right are now? movies? What <laughs> yeah. are movies? Yeah. Yep, there you go. Sure. I just described movies in like 10 words. Very good. Very good. Thank you. Well, now, before we get started real quick, I just want to point out that JJ, instead, he actually typed out his list, but he <laughs> took a picture of it on his phone. <laughs> So he has a picture. That's a waste paper. Or, I don't he understand. has a picture of his list that he typed up <laughs> on his computer. I just a, think that's the. That's you couldn't interesting. I couldn't write it down. Well, you know your your phone has like a little thing where you can type in notes, right? Yeah, I, <laughs> you're just like wait. Or you can well, how do I take a picture of that? You have so many. <laughs> you have so many options. Honestly, Print out the page. Yeah. <laughs> Taking a picture was just so much easier than typing the same list over again. Okay, so okay. I just did that. Right. Interesting. Well, I mean, you did better than me. I just wrote mine on a napkin. <laughs> this is on mine, a napkin that he got from Taco Bell. Mine are all in my head. Don't okay. even need a list. All right. Yeah, I'm yeah. ready. He's going to make it up as he goes along. Yeah, yeah. probably. <laughs> well, I should say this before we get going. Uh, JJ, you're the uh, one of the lead characters on Doppel Avenue Hertz. Hey, uh, Paul. Yeah, you're Paul. How's that, how's that working out for you? How do you like it? Ah, it's working out really good, Jimmy Jong. Should, should I have a, a little interaction with him as Arthur? Sure. Oh God! <laughs> yeah. You really face. He, uh, King Arthur. No, that's that's me. Hold on. King yeah, Arthur. Uh, King what's your name? Arthur. Paul. Paul. Paulie Shore. Hey, Paulie you know Paul Shore. How you doing, man? Uh, King Arthur, like Arthur's court. Yeah, like uh, 
Man, like in the Matrix? <laughs> I yeah, think there was a part wait, in Arthur in the Matrix. Wait, the Matrix. Is that the one where uh, the the Neo and the and one, they like team up together to fight, uh, you know, the three Yeah, the cyborgs from outer space. No, 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 no. That, you're thinking of this thing with the fucking Scarface and with the bees and shit, right? I, you know what? I've been doing this for a while. I never heard your voice before. Oh, really? <laughs> It's kind of throwing me off right now. Uh, Paul, we've been working together for like the last two years, ever since uh, Big Jimbo's left the force. You know what I'm saying? Jimmy John. <laughs> I love saying his name. I could just say it all over again, even though I think he's sleeping with my wife. Ooh. ooh. Yeah, about that. Um, yeah, Jimmy John. Yeah, Jimmy John is uh, sleeping with your wife. Yeah, <laughs> all right. That's what's going on. <laughs> anyway. That's nice. Great. You got two little voice actors. Yeah. yeah. With that said, uh, horrible Southern accent that I do. <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah, man. it's fine. It's good. You, it's a you spoof know, comedy. You know that you and I are partners on the show, right? It, you know, I I didn't know that, and I just found out right now. <laughs> oh, really? so, wow. yeah. yeah, you and I are partners. <laughs> Took me a little. I just, just read my lines, and oh, yeah. I, I get paid nothing, and I yep. walk out. There you go. I get paid in free delays, but anyway. Yeah. With what the that, fuck? I didn't know <laughs> that. <laughs> I've been missing out free delays. With yeah, that said, sorry. with that said, we're gonna go and we're gonna count down our top five movies. JJ, why don't you take it away? All right, um, are we starting from? I mean, obviously starting from five. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we give us, from give us your top movie. Right, yeah. right off the bat, let's just get everyone number one and we'll quit. <laughs> I, just, okay. I just hope mine aren't like too controversial. All right, well, but, um, we'll see. All right, number five. Sucks. I'm gonna go with. Uh, is this surprising? Toy Story. That's yeah. Pixar. Yeah. Pixar's Toy Story. I mean, as far as an animated movie. Um, and I, I grew up, I actually saw it in theaters. I was one of the fortunate ones to see it in theaters growing up mm-hmm. and I loved it. And I, I, I think it's, I think it's funny. I think it's great. I think it's one of Pixar's greatest works. It's actually one of the first successful computer animated movies. Was the, it? I mean, it's the, that's the original Pixar one. I mean, that's the one that yeah, started yeah. off Pixar. You know, you, you think about like, you think about like what a good movie is composited of. I mean, that, that hits all the marks. It really does. Yeah. I mean, you literally have like you know comedy, drama, betrayal, all the all the giant Shakespearean formats, mm. all condensed into one. Really, I I wouldn't I wouldn't chastise you for that pick. That's a good that's a good pick. Yeah, not yeah. only that, it was a it was Disney at the time, right? Because Pixar was Disney at, at a certain uh, time. Well, it was kind of it was, but it was like it, it was a Disney movie without studio like they had their like own say it wasn't yeah. disney's actually more involved now with pixar where well, they own pixar now well that's what i'm saying like they're more involved in the sense that like now they're releasing like all these other like cars too and planes and planes too that's kind of i feel like it's just getting oversaturated whereas pixar yeah. before would actually spend some time on each like it, almost i mean i'd say nine out of ten pixar movies are amazing and like maybe they have like one that's not that great, but toy, all the Toy Story movies I think were really good. I think, man, did you see Toy Story three? Yeah, yes, it was dark really as awesome. hell, man. Yeah, yeah but was. I liked it. I was like getting like choked up, like in the incinerator scene, like where yeah. they're all saying goodbye oh, yeah. to each other. Yeah. I'm like, oh my, this is a. Yeah, we should Toy probably Story mention that. That we're going to spoil <laughs> a lot of this stuff. So if you haven't seen these movies oh, yeah. before, spoiler alert. Oh well, spoiler yeah, alert. pretty much. Spoiler alert. It's not like we're going to probably name a movie that came out last week. So <laughs> yeah. I think we should be safe. If you haven't seen Toy Story yet, that came out like '95. <laughs> yeah. So get on it, uh, Paul. Are you uh, Team Woody or Team Buzz? What? What? <laughs> Toy Story. Oh. <laughs> Were you, you Woody fan? Paul, it like threw me off. I was, <laughs> trying, I was looking, looking around, around the room Paul. like, hey, where's who's Paul? Paul? Hey, Paul. <laughs> um, are you team Woody or are you team Woody. Buzzy? Woody, of course. You know, I'm, I'm always Tom the Hanks. underdog. 
the good old Tom Hanks. Woody would be the underdog in that movie, right? Woody? Because like, Buzz yeah, was so. like all the rage. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It was Woody's story, at least in uh, <laughs> the first one. Yeah, he's a toy. Toy Story. Toy Story. Holy shit. We figured it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Took about like 10 minutes. Quick fact, uh, Josh right. Whedon actually uh, wrote the uh, screenplay. Did he? Toy Story 1. Yeah. No way. Oh, oh wow. Josh cool. Whedon. Joss cool. Whedon. Not Josh Whedon. Joss. Yeah. Joss. 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 Yes. J-O-S-S. He's done okay since then. <laughs> he's yeah. all right. I guess. I guess. He had that like little independent film come out, uh, The Avengers. Didn't he do Doctor Horrible? Yes, he did. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's a- well, anyway, that's we're getting it. off topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So num- number five, John. John. Okay. Uh, I was kind of back and forth on the list because I wanted to put like a lot of movies that I knew, like that in general I knew, like were top ones, like Casablanca, The Apartment, things mm-hmm. like that. But you know, I was thinking about like, you know, I think th- things like that. Those are like probably the best movies of all time, but. Mm. Personally, I don't really watch them that much. Yeah, you know, if you go to like the top ten of the AI, AFI top movies of all time, like, like yeah, I agree, they're mm. they're really good movies, but I don't, I don't really watch them like all right. that often. Right, right. In my personal yeah. time, so I decided to make make a list of like movies that I watch, right. that like uh, you know repeatedly and still hold up for me. Oh, mm-hmm. We yeah. we went into the went into this podcast knowing it was going to be a really controversial one. I mean. Yeah. You know, yeah. I actually, I actually totally agree with you. I, I, my movies are based on movies that I can watch over and over again and really not get tired of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, Susan Kane? Great movie. I've only <laughs> oh, yeah, seen it like yeah. two or three times hey, in my life. I like I Citizen Kane. Yeah. JJ doesn't. I like Citizen Kane, but yeah, it's not in my top. It's not even in right. my top ten. But so I, I thought it was a good movie. For my number five pick is a movie that it may be somewhere in the AFI list. I'm not sure. I don't know if it goes down that, that low. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, is the Sam Raimi classic Evil Dead Two, starring <laughs> okay. the man really? himself, Bruce Campbell? Really? Ooh, yeah, that's interesting. Pick. Have you guys uh, seen that movie? I have. I've seen yeah. the original Evil Dead. No, I've seen all. Never of seen them. Evil Dead Two. I, no. I've not seen Evil. I Dead I actually 2. prefer Evil Dead One over Evil Dead Two. Really? I know Evil Dead Two is the more popular one. Evil Dead Two is interesting because it's actually a remake. Not, yeah, it's not actually a sequel. It's, it's a, not. It's a, it's remake a remake of the first one. Yeah. Didn't directed by the same guy, yeah. starring the same person, yeah. and has the same story. But it was actually funnier. Yeah, it's a com- it's, it's more cornier. of a comedy. Like it's more. Of I think a that's what makes Evil Dead Two so great is that it's it's really dark, <laughs> and really kind of gory, but it's also really funny. Yeah, and I think, oh. John, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, is Evil Dead Two the one that features J.P. Lovecraft's epic evil novel, um, Necronomicon. the Necronomicon? Uh, was it called Necronomicon? Like a uh, in the movie, or was remember. it implied? I it saw was implied. So long ago. It was something similar to that, but there's definitely like an evil book that yeah. uh, Ash had to had to. It was like that's part the one of the where he gets his hand cut off. Yes, and his hand actually becomes like demonic or whatever. So yeah. it's running around. He has to like like there's shoot this, it. There's this excellent scene where like after he cuts his hand off, like his hand like comes back to try to kill him. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's yeah. just like running around. Like a, <laughs> doesn't it flick him flip him off or yeah, whatever? Yeah, exactly. Oh man, you talking about idle hands. No. no, I like that movie too. Actually, I love that movie. Spoiler: That's number John, John's number three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that one soon. Actually, like uh, you know, Evil Dead Two is my favorite, but that whole trilogy that they did, Evil Dead One, Evil Dead Two, and Army of Darkness. Yeah, I love all those movies. I watch, I watch them like maybe once or twice a year. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. All right, uh, Robert. Yeah. Um. All right. So yeah, my top five. All right, number five. 
I'm actually going to pick a movie that I just saw last week at the Tampa Theater, oh, which wow. is like shows oh. a lot of classic films. Transformers 4. Transformers 4. <laughs> classic. 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 Modern classic. Yeah. I mean, it's great. Michael Bay's direction. Mark Wahlberg mm. was amazing. Just amazing. Amazing stuff. Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> I, if there's one thing I can't get enough of, it's, it's explosions. And robots. And horrible dialogue. Okay. I love those in movies. Yes. Rolling no. garbage and trash. <laughs> Wait, did, yeah. you, did you even see Transformers 4? Nope. All right. Don't care, though. It's going to okay. be shitty, and I know it. I saw it. it I good. saw Transformers 2 and 3, and the 2 was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. No lie. I'm not going to argue with you. We'll, go we'll, ahead. we'll get back to the All top right. five worst movies we've ever seen. That's, an, that's for another podcast. Yeah. Uh, number, number five is actually my favorite Alfred Hitchcock film, and it's called North by Northwest. Yes. Great movie. Yeah. Great that's, movie. That's a movie that, like... Whenever I talk about like old films, because I, I do like a lot of the classics, whenever yeah. I talk about old films, that's like probably the first movie I'll show someone. If they're not into old films, that's the movie I'll show them to try to get them into old well, films. Well, any because, Hitchcock movie, really. It's, right. Any Hitchcock's really good, but North by Northwest, yeah. for some reason, like it's, it's, it's definitely my favorite. It's got, it's got everything. It's kind of like, um, like, obviously, you have Cary Grant, Eva Marie Saint, and uh, uh, James Mason. And, like, they're all, like, really good actors. Cary Grant's probably my favorite actor of all time. But you have, like, I mean, North by Northwest has, like, suspense, has action, has comedy, has drama, has romance. It's just got it all. What would you uh, rank as, uh, as far as Hitchcock movies go? Oh, that's, it's my favorite. It's really? number one, yeah. Really? If we ever do a top five Hitchcock. So I guess that one. means there's no other Hitchcock movies in your top five. Nope. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're gonna knock Process those out. Of <laughs> yeah. We know that those aren't gonna make it on there. No, I I just I I love this movie. I've seen it so many times. I went on Blu ray and I still went and watched it at Tampa Theater and yeah. the theater was packed. Which I'm actually upset you didn't invite me to that because you, you that's the movie will. you showed me. No, that is the movie that you showed me to get me into older movies. That's and true. I, and I highly enjoyed it. And that's I the that movie. was a great movie. Yeah, I love showing that to people when they like don't watch old movies too often because it's it's I don't know. For some reason, people love that. Like as an older film, uh, it's just like something that's like easy to like watch. I know a lot of old films aren't like too easy to watch for some people, but like that one, that one was good. Yeah, I don't understand the uh, the pushback on old movies. I mean, you look at like old Hitchcock films, and you you really realize they don't make them like these anymore. Like no. Hitchcock uh, was, was hands down the best director that's well, ever lived. Well, people's yeah, he's attention spans back then were also longer. So, that's true. That's true. That's why you don't was, need all the explosions. It was a different right. time. But like, here, uh, here's the thing with North by Northwest came out in what 1959, and I mean, I watched it at the Tampa Theater, Pack Theater. Everybody's watching it, and people are still like, I mean, there's old people, there's young people, and people are still like laughing at the jokes. That's good and stuff, which is that's really awesome. good. Like that's, and I even saw some people like actually jump back. Like I, I'm assuming they never saw it before or something, and like actually jump back when like the the planes flying at them or something like that. Like if that can, if a movie can Their still do broke. that, that's why. Yeah, yeah just, they, weren't, they, weren't, they weren't scared. Yeah, they, they were just scared. like, oh crap. But I just thought like that was that was awesome. Like if a movie can still do that like yeah. 50 years later, you did something right. Yeah. So <clears throat> that leads me to my number five, which I would actually put. Uh, if we ever do top five directors, mm. Hitchcock will be one of them, and this next director will be probably my number two or number one. I'm going to go with 2002's Quentin Tarantino's um, homage to the Grindhouse. Mm, really? The Grindhouse uh, 
era of movies of the 1970s, really Grindhouse was like the very first thing. I, when they invented the camera and moving pictures and all this stuff, mm. the original movies that were made were technically Grindhouse movies. But he wanted to capture the original graininess and the adversity of what that 70s Grindhouse era felt like with 2002's Death Proof. That's an interesting pick. I love Death Proof. Really? Yes. For some reason, I never, never really got into it. I love Quentin Tarantino, but that was one that like I never. I I'm very into. This is as far as like car chase movies. This is number one. Absolutely, hands down. This is the best car chase movie. Really? Over Vanishing Point and like Over Vanishing Point. Bullet. Bullet, yeah. Bullet. Bullet. It's just, it's so goddamn suspenseful, and I might be a little biased because my favorite car of all time (laughs) is in the car, or is in the movie. Right. 1977 Dodge Challenger, which, if you don't know me, that's the car I drive just about 30 years later. Yeah. (laughs) Dodge Challenger. Uh, I absolutely love the acting in this movie. It's Kurt Russell. He he was taking a very long hiatus, and all of a sudden he popped up, Mm. and oh, there's Kurt Russell again. Um, I absolutely love the dialogue. I absolutely love um, Rosario Dawson in this movie. I love. Oh yeah, I love that it's it's Kurt Russell. What he is is he's a stuntman, and he is basically preying on his backstories that he preys on young women, mm. and he kind of lose them uh, lose them into his death proof car because he is a stuntman. He's kind of uh, t- taking his dodge dart and making it. Death proof, essentially. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, big finale. Well, basically, it's the last forty-five minutes of the movie where it's Kurt Russell ch- chasing these three young women in a Dodge Challenger through the backwoods of some bullshit town hmm. or bullshit open plains highway, and it is exciting as hell because you have one girl who's like strapped to the hood, and you Zoe know, Bell. Yeah, Zoe yeah, Bell, yeah, yeah. who is his go-to stunt woman. And she is just she's just priceless in that movie. Like she's she's also you know she's the stuntman in uh, Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill, all of that stuff. But who knew she had like a great sense of humor and could act? And and uh, this one just really drove it home for me because I I do really enjoy. I'm a car guy. I really enjoy cars. Mm. Uh, car chase movies, eh, hit or miss with me. This one for some reason hits it every time. Mm. And cool. spoiler alert: the girls kick the living shit out of him in the end, which is oh, so awesome wow. to see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so it's so cool to see the girls like come back and like beat the shit out of Kurt Russell. Yeah, anyway, I uh, I think we should also mention that Death Proof was also released as a actual double feature in the theaters with Robert Rodriguez's. Film. Like uh, you were supposed because Death Proof it was the second movie of the uh, double feature. The first one was Planet Terror mm-hmm. by Robert Horrible. Rodriguez. Horrible. It was interesting that you yeah, uh, like mentioned, like, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, I do agree. Death Proof is really good. It's just for some reason it doesn't. It feels like the least Tarantino of all the films he's yeah. done for me. Well, I don't feel like it's the least Tarantino. I feel like you can definitely see his like the aspects of his filmmaking, like yeah. Where he has a lot of dialogue heavy scenes, yeah. the camera movements and stuff. It just felt like it wasn't I mean, for me, Jackie Brown is my favorite Tarantino film. What? Yeah. I wow. love Jackie Brown. Wow. And that's the weakest reason, one from really? my opinion. Yeah. See, and I I'm like the opposite. Death Proof is like the weakest one for me. I love Jackie Brown and like I don't know, that's just how I've always been. 
um, to put two chalk marks in Death Proof's corner, one, it had a perfect soundtrack. Um, yes. Great. I mean, totally Tarantino-esque, where it's yes. like all these like old, cool, indie influences that you've never really heard of, but that just fit the music so perfectly. Mm. And number two, probably the coolest slash most gruesome death scene I've ever seen in a movie. It's that about 30, cars hit each 30 other. 35 minutes yeah. in where he's preying on the first batch of girls. He drives past them uh, at wild speeds to the point where they can't see him, and then he uh, turns a 180 and then cranks it to the max speed. Yeah. And they're, they're cranking the radio. They can't hear anything. He turns his lights off, and they go head-to-head. Head head. Yeah. And they, they, there's four girls in the car, and when that scene happens, they literally... Four times they point out the perspective, but each each, girl. each one is a different girl and what she goes through during yeah. the head-on-head crash. And it, ooh, see that? Goosebumps. <laughs> Goosebumps. Freaking awesome scene. That's one of my favorite scenes in any movie. Huh. That's interesting. Oh, wow. wow. There you go. So number five. All right, I guess we're going to number four. Going yeah. back to me. No, let's go straight to number one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> number one. Let's just... Get the bookends. Give it all. Let me go back to my phone. Look at the picture that I took. Of course. <laughs> that you typed on your computer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this one I know Robert isn't isn't gonna like as much. Probably not. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> but um, some controversy on this podcast. Mel Gibson's uh, Braveheart. Uh, oh. Yeah, uh, I know. I know. I was gonna get some some of those. And that, that is okay. Yeah. I'm okay. But, uh, was it because he has, showed his ass? <laughs> Wait, he yeah. shows his ass. He likes the Viking I, wiener. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't yeah. see that part. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it has history. Has a uh, has action. Has great great romance in the movie. William Wallace. William Wallace. It did win Best Picture that year that it came out. Oh, there you go. It Which is was, a good. Movie. What was it? Ninety six. I'd say earlier than that, like ninety four, ninety three, or something. I don't remember. Look it up. I'll look it up. Yeah. You know, I I almost didn't add it on my list um, because like the Patriot. I thought this was your favorite movie, though, for a while, right? It, it was. It was my all-time favorite movie for a while. Mm-hmm. But I, when I was making this list, there were so many movies that came to my head, and I right. had to, I had to put it down on a list because there are better movies than Braveheart, obviously. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, well, yeah, there's some more. <laughs> three more, three more at least <laughs> that yeah. you think so. so. So, but I love it. I think it's great. Nineteen ninety-five. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, what was your favorite scene in the movie? Favorite scene? Yeah. The The boobie scene. The ending. What happens to The boobie scene, right. What happens at the end? I mean, it's got to be the speech. The very first battle that they have against England. Ooh, that's a good one. That is cool. And that that speech that Mel Gibson gives, you know, like, it's absolutely fantastic. Did he, uh... Do not want to be free! (laughs) Sorry. Like William Wallace is seven feet tall and he can shoot fireballs from his arse. (laughs) It's like, that's just, that's great. Yeah, and I would say that would be my uh, my number four right there. So nice. let's go to uh, John. Nice, like like Velvet Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. smooth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my number four is another horror movie. It's John Carpenter's classic, The Thing. Very nice. good, starring movie. Kurt Russell. Very good. Movie. Almost yes. almost put that on my list. Well, your list sucks. Dude, <laughs> dude, honestly, I've made a top ten list before. It's number six. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. well, your list sucks almost too. Makes my top five. Nope. Kurt so Russell good, makes it for the second time. In the list. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, honestly, I'm a huge Kurt Russell fan. This is yes. not the last appearance of Kurt Russell on my list, <laughs> and hopefully for the rest of the podcast. But uh, 
No, uh, I, I sent some big trouble in Little China coming. Maybe. 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 Uh, we'll see. Maybe. Or overboard. Uh, I was just going to say, or overboard. <laughs> You're Captain, big overboard. Captain Ron. <laughs> Captain Ron. <laughs> Captain Ron. Oh, that's so bad. Uh, you know, the thing is, it's one of my, not. it's not just one of my, you know, favorite movies in mm. general. It's also, I think, one of the, the best horror movies of all time. Because I think what it does well as a horror movie mm. is that it, it doesn't play all its cards right away. Mm-hmm. Like, you see, like, a lot of horror movies these days, and it's just, right. like, you know, gory kills, and it's graphic. And I guess for right. some, for a lot of people, that's scary. But for me, like, I think that's kind of a cheap way to get scares. It's the same thing that Paranormal Activity did, where yes, it's, it lets exactly. you let your imagination it's exactly. take away. It's the suspense of it, uh, rather yes. than just Science showing you. Now, for, for those of you that don't Science, know, like Kurt yeah. Russell is part of a... I think it was like an Arctic uh, team. Yeah, they're like, they're like uh, at a research station up, up in like uh, you know the frigid wasteland, mm. and the plot is an alien is loose out on the base, but the alien can take the form of whoever. So the whole movie, That's such a good movie. You're yeah. just trying to figure out oh, like what, like who's the alien, who isn't, right? And it's just like these deaths happen slowly, and gradually over time, and you can see it. Like uh, and it can be more than one person too. Yeah, so you exactly. don't know how many people are transformed into this thing. Yeah, so you literally felt like, you know, you were just like you were. You felt like you were there. Like uh, the paranoia, the uh, the anxiousness was like, oh, like, like who's who? Mm-hmm. And honestly, like even after you watch the movie, it's still not really clear. Like who's still an alien? Dude, the, who the ending? It? The ending yeah. is really awesome. Very ambiguous. Yeah. Very yeah. Just Keith David, Kurt Russell staring and, eye to eye. Yeah. Trust no one. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, everything, I think, well, this is, I'll save uh, my thoughts on John Carpenter later when he uh, shows up again. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Ooh, man. Yeah. Definitely but, big uh, trouble. Also me. Ghost of Mars is coming. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, John Carpenter is the thing. It's my I, number four movie of all time. I, I, I love that movie, too. And I've uh, I've read the short story book um yeah who goes there it was also the uh, the thing was actually a remake of a earlier movie right which i i own that one too called the thing from another world with james arness and he played the creature and like that was pretty good too but nothing like john carpenter's i mean john carp wow. the the old one is definitely still just a monster movie with yeah. a frankenstein type creature whereas the the new one that came out in the 80s which was john carpenter's version that like really took it in a different direction and actually did more to like the original story. Yeah, which I would I think say was awesome. I would say it was like the original like imagine you know imagination suspense thriller. Like, yes, yes. It's just I remember a uh, little tidbit of information. John Carpenter talked to Steven Spielberg when Steven Spielberg released E. T. and Steven Spielberg said something like, uh, "If you if you look at a lot of horror movies uh, that have like creature like creature features, there's always a guy in a costume." And he said that you should try to do do something where it's not a, a guy in a costume. And yeah. E.T. was not necessarily a guy in a costume. A lot of times it was animatronics. It was a mm-hmm. short creature where that's what John Carpenter thought. Like, all right, well, I want to do something like that. And that's mm-hmm. when he went into all those special effects. That's why I think it still holds up today because it's not CGI and it's not a guy just right. lumbering around in a costume all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. All right. <laughs> my number four. Cool. All right, great movie. Um, all right. So I'm going to go to my number four. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this one, but this is uh, it's a little independent film that came out in 1977, and it's called Star Wars. Okay. And I don't think I've ever heard of that one. I don't know one. if you guys have heard of that one. 
Was it was it out in theaters? Mm, for a short time. Yeah. That was Ronald okay. That was Ronald Reagan's advance against the Cold War. Right. right? Yes. Right. The yeah. documentary. Oh, okay. <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> now I know what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about. No, I uh, Star well, Wars. I, I mean, are you going like a whole franchise here? Or are you are you picking a specific a episode? Star Wars was originally called Star Wars in 1977. Now they're right. calling it a New, a Hope, New Hope, so that's the one I'm picking. Okay, that's episode the original four, Star Wars episode four. That one is my favorite. A lot of people will say Empire Strikes Back is Everybody the better film. Everybody says Empire Strikes Back. It's not the better film. Yes, Star is. Wars and New Hope is the better film. Because here's the problem. And I'll tell you the problem real quick. Here we go. Empire Strikes Back, very good movie. My second favorite of the Star Wars uh, franchise. But it doesn't hold up on its own. You can't just... Listen, you bring... You bring Empire Strikes Back to somebody who's never seen Star Wars before, it's not going to make a lick of sense. They, they're not going to understand it as a story. It, you need the third movie, Return of the Jedi, to kind of wrap up the whole storyline that, that Empire kind of lays out. Or the sixth out. movie. True. Sixth True. one. But New Hope is like the only one in the whole Star Wars franchise that I think you can watch, and they could have ended it with that movie. It's a standalone been It would have been, been like enough. So I just that's why I love Star Wars. I, I love that I love that episode. I think it just holds up well and I I mean obviously so many people like Star Wars, so I don't really have to go through all the like specifications. You know, I, was, of it, uh, I was originally gonna put you know, Empire Strikes Back on my list. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I ended up taking it out is because I was thinking about it, I don't really watch well, any of the Star Wars movies as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why is because like I've just I think I've been burnt out on Star Wars in maybe like the past decade. I'm the bur- yeah the prequels. You know everyone. Oh God. Well, okay, I guess the consensus is that the prequels aren't as good as the original trilogy. That's because so. George Lucas directed all three of those. Yes, and but he did this direct is my, A New Hope. Yes, new this hope is, is my, my favorite. This is my argument against A New Hope is that George Lucas is a. Can we all agree? George Lucas is a horrendous director yes okay. except i'll agree with that i don't know well american Listen, graffiti was american graffiti is really good okay as a director maybe he's not the greatest like no. obviously but some of his films he's only done a handful of films yes thx 1138 american graffiti star, star wars, wars <laughs> and one word and then for he you. helped write indiana jones crystal skull yeah but he didn't direct that that was yes he Spielberg. did oh no but i thought he co-directed it. it yeah they probably both directed it but and i think steven spielberg kind of gave but he also George the reins on that one but he also gave uh i mean he wrote the original story for indiana jones helped write that yes. so i think he has hmm. he has the chops it's just he doesn't always execute them well and definitely the, I, I think the the prequel trilogy shows that and i think the reason for that is he i think he got too excited with the special effects department where he's just like now i can show this war and do all this stuff and it went to like Michael this Bay. glamour kind of movie where it right. should have been more darker and kind of yeah for me like the, the appeal of the original trilogy is because it showed like this kind of distant kind of futuristic kind of society but it was it wasn't like the it wasn't like a clean future. Everything was kind of run down and dirty and right. and worn. It, it seemed like a real, real universe where people actually lived in. But I and will, that was really cool. But I will say that with the new ones, I understand where he was going because he wanted them to look newer because it's yeah. before all the Empire stuff happened, before Emperor Palpatine. He was trying to make it look all brand new and nice and stuff, which that makes sense to me. But I just don't think special effects hold up as well as just regular – old 
costumes and animatronics and stuff. They just don't hold up that well. Th- that's why J.J. Abrams knew not. I don't. It's not a reboot by any means. Yeah, he, it's, uh, he's it's carry- sequels. He's carrying on a whole new trilogy. That's that's why he's going to run away with this new trilogy is because he's he's not doing any green screens. He's doing everything on site in right. Dubai and Netherlands. It all sounds good so far. Yeah, and uh, he's he's. He's sticking with he's sticking to that original trilogy, which well, I, I think we're all taking a big breath of relievement yeah. on that one. So, but we can all yeah. agree that like you know Star like like I touched on it before, Star Wars has definitely lost its luster in the past decade or two. Yeah, I yeah. still for me it's just A New Hope is like the only one that I can like watch yeah. anytime. Is that, is mean, that don't get me wrong, Empire. Empire is like I, a great movie. Oh, I love Empire. But I just don't watch Return it Return of the anymore. Jedi is okay, too. It's just like, mm-hmm. for some reason, Star Wars, if it's on TV, a lot of times I'll just I'll watch it. Really? Yeah. I just, I don't. I don't really watch Star Wars movies as much really? as I used to. Here's a little, uh, little factoid for you. Do you remember, this is in episode one, so I guess the first movie of the new trilogy. Yeah. When Queen Amidala is, a, is uh, speaking to the Republic... And that huge, huge scene when there's every kind of nation in the Republic or every kind of planet in the Republic mm. has its own little platform and all of its dictators. Do you know that one of the platforms holds a race identical to <laughs> yeah. what E.T. was? Yeah, yes. I actually yeah. I knew you were going with that, and I was like, yep, that is awesome. Yeah. yeah. So it proves that E.T. is part of the He's Star a Wars. Jedi. <laughs> really? <laughs> proves that E.T. is a Jedi. Wait, was he a Jedi in that platform? You ever, see, you ever see, I think it was on Facebook, where they were like, E.T. plays with Star Wars toys in E.T. He's on the council. He can move things with his finger and like lift stuff, lift yeah, bikes bike? and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they said, like, the only possibility is E.T.'s a Jedi. Oh <laughs> Which, I don't know if that's true, but that's just funny. It's like a, a cool... All right. Let's go with it. E.T.'s yeah. a Jedi. You heard it first. <laughs> yeah. On top five. Here on top five <laughs> podcasts. Uh, did everybody make their point on Star Wars? Yeah, I think we're All right, good. Yeah. All right. My number four is I'd be surprised if you heard. No, I wouldn't be surprised. But I'd be surprised if you have something intelligent to bring to the table on this one. Okay. 1999's cult classic SLC Punk. Yes. Matthew Lillard. Um, the uh, guy from How I Met Your Mother, who's also in the Muppet movie, he plays um, Mark. Nope, nobody. Never seen uh, it. Nobody. Never seen it. Never it's seen uh, it. it's a coming of age story. I've heard of it. It's yeah. a very cult classic movie. I think it was made for under ten or fifteen grand, and it follows the story of these two punk rockers in the mid nineteen eighties in SLC Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah. And what they do is after they graduate high school, all they try to do is be true punk rockers. Um, for anybody who knows me, I'm a punk rocker and metalhead at heart. I grew up in the scene. That's that's kind of my jam. Um, but no, all bias aside, this is this is a movie that I grew up with. Um, it was my personal coming of age movie. I watched it mm, maybe not a month and a half ago, and I was like, well, let's just pop it in. I haven't watched this for about seven, eight, nine, ten years. Goddamn, that movie holds up. And what makes it so interesting is that. Not just a coming-of-age story, but it, it has all these congruent plot lines going along with it that you don't know. Like, there's one one thread, one main storyline thread that's going throughout the entire movie, but it sways to the future, to the past, all through these, like, backstories, and you wow. never really quite 
know when you're back into the main storyline until something happens. You're like, oh, I'm in the main storyline now. It's um, it's unlike any other movie I've ever seen. I've never seen a movie done like it since then. Um, and I, the first time you watch it, it's a little confusing because, like I said, you know, it's like it's like opening different folders up in a computer. You know, there's just certain different layers, and sometimes they go three, four, five deep. And you're like, wow, like we are like in a story of a story of a story of a story, but it all makes sense. Like it makes perfect sense. Like you just watch it once. You're a little confused by the story, the, the way they're, that they're that they're telling the story, but then at the end, it all kind of makes, it all kind of comes together and makes sense. Hmm. It, I I, w- I would be, I would be misplaced not to put something like this on my top five. Like just a completely weird, never done before, one of a kind st- store uh, type of storytelling. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah. If you have, if you've never seen SLC Punk, I highly suggest it. Is it a Redbox? <laughs> <laughs> I doubt Redbox. Netflix. Oh, maybe I, uh, Netflix. It was made in 1999. Right. It's about you know a couple punk rocks in the early 80s. I think I've seen that I'll um. I remember. I have it on DVD if you guys want to see it. I remember for the longest time they were playing on HBO, but yeah. for some reason I never. <laughs> I, just, I, I, I just do remember, remember seeing, seeing the cover all the time. Yeah. I always remember seeing yeah, the cover SLC with Matthew Lillard on it or whatever with the spiky hair and yep. stuff. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah. Cool. Is that pretty awesome? I like how this is like unfolding our personalities as far as <laughs> kind of is, yeah. Cars and mine are more, mine are more yeah. mainstream. <laughs> some some behind the scenes going on, but um. All right, on to my uh, number three. Yep. Oh, we're we're already here. Yep. Um, gosh, I love this movie, Forrest Gump. That's good oh movie. my god, oh, I love this movie so much. <laughs> I know Robert is not a fan, but is this a house just, divided? I, lo- I love Forrest Gump. Yeah, I love. I, Forrest I like no, Forrest Gump all, too. All three of you love it. Nice, and I hate you. Uh, all you know, it. there's something about this movie, and it. Uh, I mean, Tom Hanks is absolutely phenomenal. Yes, he's. he's oh God, him rolling his eyes right now. <laughs> Robert rolling his eyes right now, but no, his acting is superb. I love the um, how they put him into older videos of like with JFK like shaking his hand. I need to pay. <laughs> I need to pay. I believe no. the man needs to pee. <laughs> yeah, that. Um, but the supporting actors too are, are fantastic. And Robin this Wright, movie. yeah. Well, and, Robin um, Wright penned back then, but yeah. I just, I just Gary think Sinise. it's, I think it's a classic. I think it's something that'll be in in homes forever for as long as movies. Still in my my home. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I don't think you know we're we're about to brush on. We're about to get to Robert's point of view on this. <laughs> but I won't go too in depth. But yeah, go ahead. But I, it's only recently. I, I would say within the last two or three years that I've really seen this hard pushback against Forrest Gump. And I I, I guess I don't really understand it. Was, it. it was kind of made like kind of like well, I don't want to say innocent, but like it was made during time where like America. You know, we were still kind of flying high from, like, you know, the 90s. But then, like, I don't want to blame everything on 9-11. But, like, God. you know, the story <laughs> the story is basically a retelling of, Obama. of America. Yeah. And, Obama. you know, I guess in that aspect, like, the movie doesn't really hold up that well in that regard. But I feel like there's a certain charm about that movie you just can't deny. Yeah. I know. Robert, all right, let's hear your side. Um... I listened to the Smartest Man in the World podcast with uh, Greg Proops, and I remember he he really bashed Forrest Gump <laughs> one time, made me crack up because I agree. Here's oh, the thing, okay. Forrest Gump. So you like it when, uh, when people have the same just, opinions as you? Yeah, I <laughs> oh, love that's, it. that's, that's my not biased thing. at all. Okay, no, I loved the way he bashed it. And I can't uh, verbatim remember like what he said, but 
my reasoning for not liking it. Here's the thing. I don't hate the movie. I just do not like it. And I don't see why everyone thinks it's the greatest thing that came out in the 90s. Because it's not. And here's the thing. Tom Hanks, he's a decent actor. He's do I, not, did you just say Tom Hanks is a not, decent he's actor? He's a decent actor. Now, here's the thing. There's a lot of Tom Hanks movies I like. But it's never because of him. It's because of the story. It's because of the story and stuff. Saving Private Ryan, you could switch him with Apollo Kevin 13. Spacey or Will Smith, for all I care, and it would still be a good movie. They wouldn't, like, they wouldn't put me, black though. people in World War One. I. I know. Will I, know. Smith? I just try to pick just, the most random You switch person. Tom Hanks with Will Smith. It would be just as good as a movie. <laughs> it would be the perfect, fine movie. Let's put some shady in movies. But, but the problem is Forrest Gump, to me, is like what like Robert Zemeckis directed the feature. And... He directed Back to the Future. Love that. But everything else that Robert Zemeckis does is just so – it's so safe. It's so safe as a movie, and Forrest Gump is so safe as a movie. It's one of those movies that you come out and you're just like, well, it's probably going to do good. And it's a drama, and it's got romance, and, oh, someone dies in it that's really close to him. Duh. That's like every drama. It's not it's the, just so safe. It's not the outcome. It's the journey. No. I mean, the journey okay, was so right, spectacular. Right. And here's the thing. Yeah. The Robin Wright – Pen scenes are awesome. I love seeing her struggle, and I like seeing that stuff. It's too bad that that's only like a total of ten minutes of the movie yeah. because everything else just doesn't hold up. It doesn't hold up. For like, here's the thing: I watched it a second time. I did. I will admit, it was it was okay. I, I didn't. It, it wasn't okay. a struggle getting through it as oh it was God. the first time. Oh God. But at the second time, you know, I was like, all right, I can see why some people like this. But to win Best Picture in 1994 is ridiculous. That's just a ridiculous pulp fiction. We did a a podcast based on 1994, a yes. snubbed podcast, which you can probably check out at this time, where we rated the 1994 Best Picture nominees. And you yes. had Shawshank Redemption, mm-hmm. and you had Pulp Fiction, and it Forrest Gump. You can go on Rotten Tomatoes, and it has the worst reviews out of all five nominees that year. It just does, because critics, I think, now don't like it as much as they once did, whereas Shawshank Redemption and a lot of those other movies help like continue hold to hold up. up. Yeah. That's just my take on it. I get everybody loves it. I know I'm the minority here, so that's just So my you hate it up. because the Rotten Tomatoes score is terrible. <laughs> I hate it because I okay. hate Tom Hanks. Okay. Social there we go. <laughs> you couldn't just said that in the beginning. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, sorry. I was pussyfooting around. My yeah. bad. I hate Tom Hanks. Yeah. It's not Tom that's Hanks. the real it's reason. A, he just picks good scripts. That's all. Yeah. He does. He does. He you hate Tom Hanks' scripts. agent. Yeah, I, I, I no, hate you. I, I, I hate you. <laughs> it's it's an. Uh, he's the most likable man in Hollywood. Right. How can no, you hate Tom as Hanks? a personality, I'm sure he's great. He's a good guy. But the thing is, as it's acting, it just doesn't differentiate. Like his his stuff. Oh, what he lost weight in Castaway. Whoa. Wait. Good job. That's the only thing you got away from that movie. <laughs> oh my weight. god! I know, right? <laughs> Like the no, whole movie about him being on an simplify. island and surviving and creating a personality. Okay, within a but ball it's still here's the like, thing: is Castaway is Tom Hanks on an island. It's not this guy's struggle. It's like let's put Tom Hanks on an island, and it's like Saving Private Ryan. Let's put Tom Hanks in World War Two. It's just it's not like what? let's do like I don't know. You put Kevin. Sp- here's the thing: I like Kevin Spacey, right? Kevin Spacey's in Seven. He's a, a psychopath, and he really plays it well. Yeah, Kevin Spacey in L.A. Confidential plays a great cop that's just like a, a jerk to other people and stuff like that. Kevin Spacey, like he just does those kind of things. And there's a lot of actors that I, I can I feel like I could put into like certain roles that like kind of fit. And for some reason, Tom Hanks just never 
He's never like the – if I see Tom Hanks that's in a movie, I'm like, that's cool, but that's not going to drive me to go see the movie. Anyways, that's wow. my two cents. Really wow. I fucking hate Tom Hanks. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. No, I'm kidding. All right. I, he's okay. All right. John. <laughs> Sorry to like tear that one apart. I think I need a volume I before you're John. <laughs> I'd still put it on my list again. <laughs> no, all three of you like it. It's cool. I get it. It's It's a neat movie, I guess. Number three. Oh, yeah. So, number three. I'm sorry. I just got sidetracked. I was he's, just he's texting, by the <laughs> way. So blindsided by Robert's He's looking up, like, Tom hatred. Hanks movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me see what other movies he's been in. All right. So, here's a movie from my number, number three pick that I'm sure all you guys have seen. It's the 1985 classic, The Goonies. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Directed by Richard This plays Donner. on, like, TV constantly. Yeah. Really? That's... Yeah, that's up I there? love that that's movie. That's number three. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's a personal favorite of mine. I. It's a movie I watched all the time when I was a kid. You're just a Cindy Lauper fan. Yeah, yeah. I am. Girls just want to <laughs> have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I. Just, you know, I realize it's like a total kids movie. I mean, you have. Well, you look like the guy short oh. round or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not racist. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, Asian, no, that was so you look like the Asian short guy round. in the movie. He was oh, the yeah. same kid. He was the same oh, kid played oh, short okay, round. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Is, is that who you most identified with in the movie? No. I actually, uh, I, I kind of identified with everybody because like, I, I watched it a lot when I was a kid because like, you know, growing up, you know, we all kind of had like, kind of like our, our mini adventures with like our friends but like, in our heads, like, it was always like grander than what we imagined. Right. Like, you know, we would just like go in the forest and like, you know, just run around. But like in our heads, like we were just like, you know, trying to find like a hidden treasure or something. And this movie basically was that. It was basically, it took like every childhood fantasy that we all had growing up and like put it on screen and made an actual adventure out of it. They it were was going really- to find, yeah, One-Eyed, uh, was it One-Eyed Willie? Willy. Yeah, One-Eyed yeah. Willie's uh, yeah. hidden treasure. The, sound, really- the, the, the soundtrack on that movie is just awesome, too. Like, yeah. it, it was just like, it fit the role so perfectly. Like, the, the music was just so mysterious and enchanting. Yes. And and Cindy Lauper. <laughs> and and <laughs> Cindy Lauper. Cindy Lauper. And also, I also want to mention, for a kid's movie, it was actually really dark. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. The oh, Fratellis, yeah. you know, they were trying to kill the kids, yeah. like, throughout the whole movie. Like, uh... And Sloth, I mean... Yeah, it's just... Oh, yeah. You know, watching it as a kid, I just felt, I always felt at home. It made me feel like, you know, I was, you know, with my friends, you know, just uh, hanging around, just, you know, running around the woods or something. That's pretty yeah, cool. That's what you we're know. doing tonight. Yeah. 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 Let's go play Can't, some manhunt. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, a little bit of a fun fact, um, when the kids actually saw the pirate ship for the first time, uh, it was it was actually the actor's first time seeing the pirate ship. So they actually filmed it once. Yeah. But when the kids saw it, they were like, holy shit. It was their real And they reaction. actually had to cut yeah. it out. And they had to show curse, them again. Right? Yeah, yeah, because they, they couldn't curse. There's so, actually a scene, I guess, that they cut out of that, too, that they had a fight with, like, an octopus or yeah, something. Yeah, it was a giant octopus. Giant and octopus. I guess the reason that I read was because it just didn't really fit into the plot. Or, I don't know. I guess. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think they referenced it at the very end of the movie a little bit too, and they left oh, yeah. that into the movie. Yeah, they, they left that in the movie. Oh, uh, I should also mention that, like, yeah, you know, I just said like it's, I love the movie because it's based on childhood adventures and fantasy. It's the movie's based on a short story by Steven Spielberg, 
and that's basically what he had in his head. Like, uh, just, you know, the kind of the stories that we come up with when we're kids and just running around. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, wow. yeah, for me, that's the reason. Goonies is up there. It just, it's just part of my childhood. Right. All right. Nice. All right. Well, I'll go to my number three. It's actually a movie I just referenced. Didn't mean to, but I did. Um, it's called L.A. Confidential. All right. And this is an amazing movie. Oh, yeah. It's uh, It came out in 1997. Isn't Kevin Spacey in it? Kevin Spacey's <laughs> I, I in it. I think Kevin Spacey's That's in it. That's the one I sure. uh, referenced. Okay. Uh, Kevin Spacey's in it. Russell Crowe's in it. I hear he's a pretty um, okay actor. Oh, he's amazing. Okay. Uh, so is Tom Hanks. Have you seen The Big Kahuna? Tom Hanks times five. Oh. Kevin Spacey. Um, <laughs> minus the big kahuna. Um, <laughs> equals Kevin Spacey's best. Um, yeah, I, I, I love this movie. It's got Guy Pierce, Danny DeVito, James Cromwell, Kim Basinger. She actually won an Oscar for her performance in this. Uh, I love film noir, and I, I really love like the old film noir movies, the old detective stories of the 1940s and 50s. Um, but for some reason, this one that came out in the 90s, it's not... It's it's a dark story, but it's shot like brighter. It's not like you don't have like these weird camera angles. You don't have these dark alleys and stuff. It's in the midst of like Hollywood glamour, and I love that about it. It's it's definitely a neo noir, which means just a new noir film. And uh, the the story is just basically you have this murder um, that took place at the Night Owl, which is this little diner, and it seems like an easy case to solve. And they actually do solve it pretty fast. But then they, uh, the detectives, which are, you know, you got these three different guys. And it kind of follows the stories of um, Kevin Spacey's character, Russell Crowe's character, and uh, Guy Pierce's character. And they're all kind of interconnected into this case. And slowly they start uncovering just kind of corruption and, and murder and all this, like, darker, darker stuff. And it turns out the case was not how they thought it was. And it wasn't solved as easily or shouldn't have been solved as easily. And this movie was just on, like, on IFC not too long ago. And I watched it again and still holds up. And it's got, like, I, don't, I, don't, I won't spoil too much about it. But, like, there's no, just. No, please spoil. <laughs> there's, the, the, there's a death scene in it that's just amazing. And I think it's, like, one of the greatest scenes. Like, it's just, it, it like, pieces the puzzle of the story, like perfectly and that's what it is it's la confidential i remember the first time i watched it i didn't even understand all of it although i was like younger at the time i didn't understand everything about it and i've watched it more and more times and each time i watch it i notice like something a little bit different and i think that's awesome and there's like so much that has to do with like one character that you can miss that they bring up with the character later on in the movie that like it's just easy to bypass it. So every time I watch it, I learn like a little bit more about the movie. And so I love movies intricate. like that. Yeah, and the thing is, like, it, it was a book first. It's based on I want to say James Elroy, I think. And I tried reading the book, and the book is it's a hard read. It's like the way it's written is just kind of crazy. And I like the like fact upside that down, backwards. It's backwards. It's yeah. uh, kind of like those old mangas. Okay, a lot of pictures. Yeah. Don't even understand the pictures. Yeah. Yeah, pages are just ripped out. <laughs> it's just crazy. Hieroglyphics. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Braille. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, it's a hard book to read. Yeah, it was difficult. Wow. <laughs> hey, you got through it, though. Yeah, I got through it. No, but it, it was so hard. And like, for them to turn that that into like such an amazing screenplay, it, it's, 
I'm surprised they could do it because it was such a hard hard book for me to like kind of follow at points. Did they get nominated? Bro. Got nominated for an Oscar, which can't wait till we do that podcast because Titanic beat it out that year. Mm-hmm. As much as I like Titanic, it should not be LA Confidential. So Titanic like, is going to be your number one? Is that what you're saying? No. Yes. No. <laughs> Titanic should not be LA Confidential. LA Confidential is is like I hate to do this because I just mentioned Rotten Tomatoes, but if you go on Rotten Tomatoes, a lot of times you'll see like Citizen Kane has a hundred percent, but there's only like thirty reviews for it. This podcast right? brought to you by Rotten Tomatoes. Right. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so you, you go to the critics and you're like, oh, all these critics like Citizen Kane, but there's only 30 reviews. And when you look at a new movie, you go look at the Avengers, you go, oh, it's got a 91%. That's pretty good because there's 200 and something reviews. LA Confidential has a ton of reviews and has a 99%. It has one bad review. That's really? it. And it has like over Did you happen to read reviews. that bad review? I read it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate that guy. <laughs> he ruined everything. Oh, that guy is, but I hate but him. But I've never seen a movie like past like the 90s that's gotten 100% or like near 100% like that. It's got a 99%, which wow. is crazy. Like critics adored that film. So i surprised it lost out to Titanic, but I guess that was just the bigger picture that year. Titanic had more momentum. It did. It had the oh, bigger yeah. box office. That success. one guy had a lot of influence too. Leo. No, James Cameron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll exactly. never let go, Jack. Yep. But, yep, so that's my number three. It's just a great film noir. All right. Very good. Uh, my number three is Titanic. I'm kidding. I thought you were serious. This is no. awkward. <laughs> oh, I hate you. <laughs> JK. Uh, no, no my, my number three is uh, 2009's Quentin Tarantino film, Inglorious Bastards. Oh, my God. You know, that's such a great movie. It is insanely good. Yeah. I, like um, I don't know that you can necessarily call this a remake, a reboot, or a sequel. It's, it's really just a standalone film. Uh, there was a movie, correct me if I'm wrong, Robert, you're the film guy, the mm. 60s? Yeah, there was Inglorious Bastards that came out. It, it, like back, I want to say it's seventies, but it, maybe it it's a common name. It's basically yeah, just yeah, a, yeah. It's basically just a. Uh, the original was just a World War Two sort of, you know, whatever. It, kind of B movie ish. I don't think it made that, that much money or anything like that when it came out. Inglorious Bastards was Quentin Tarantino's first movement into, like you see Inglorious Bastards, you see Django Unchained, and you compare it to what he's done in the past. And in this past, he always did these like sort of avant-garde, hey, let's tell you the ending of the story, and let's jump around in, in certain plot lines, and right. like, who are these characters, and you'll find out it all makes sense in the end. And Glorious Bastards was his first movie where he finally was able to tell a story chronologically in a what you would call a normal storytelling format. And what it does is it tells the story of this sort of um, rogues for hire of the uh, the Allies in World War II. And it was a group of maybe 10 or 11 Jewish Americans uh, led by Brad Pitt, who is not Jewish American, but uh, about 11 or 12 Jewish Americans who got the specific duty to find Nazis and gain intel and, and report back to the Allies. And... Um, Sounds really dry. It is absolutely incredible. Um, now, a lot of people, what I heard going into this movie is like, oh, I didn't see it because the the previews made it look like a comedy, like a spoof, which 
I could agree with. Yeah. When I first saw the previews, I thought it was kind of like a, you know, almost like a Kevin Smith-esque sort of thing. Like, you saw, like, Hitler kind of freaking out and all right. that stuff. Uh, anything but. What what I really like about this movie is that there's so much, like, hold-your-breath moments. What the hell is going to happen here? Do you mm. guys remember the the basement bar scene? Oh, my God. Where they're yeah. playing Do cards. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's a, they're, they're holding the guns at each other under the table. You're like, how the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, yeah. How is that, it going to turn out? Actually, oh. The movie starts off like that where Christoph Waltz is interrogating the, uh, the farmer. And the Who's whole time hold, holding oh, the yeah. Jews like underneath. But like both guys know during the whole conversation, like the true nature of what's going on. They're just kind of putting on the uh, the kind of masquerade. Bef- yeah. Yeah. How amazing is Christoph Waltz oh, as an actor? He oh, yeah. he's not the best. Awesome. Oh my god. He won the Oscar for best supporting actor for yeah. that role, and it was did he? Yeah. Oh yeah. And, yeah. He, and yeah. he won it again for Django Unchained. Yeah. He it was so completely well deserved. deserved. Like it was yeah. just like he was just like cool, calm, and completely menacing. Like you would not. Not one mess with that guy. Did he not play that character absolutely perfectly? Did you not just fucking hate his guts? Yeah, in the most perfect way. Oh yeah, yeah. just uh, just insane. So um, there's just so many of those moments, and I I will say this: um, if you're going to go into this movie and you have not seen it yet, don't expect it to be historically accurate. Quentin Tarantino <laughs> yes. has a little liberties with history. Oh yeah, in this movie, just take it for what it's worth. Understand that it's a Quentin Tarantino. Uh, it, it's sort of his move into the mainstream-esque style of films, but it is anything but. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I agree. Yeah, I I saw I saw I was still working at theater when I saw that movie, and every time I had a break, I would just, like, uh, kind of slip in there and just watch it. So I would just, like, watch, like, certain parts, Yeah, like, uh, over and over again. The, uh, at the beginning, you know, the Crystal Waltz oh, is man. something I just... Every time it was just like I knew it was going to happen, but like I still felt so tense. Yeah. And oh, it's just like the comic relief in that movie is yes. priceless too. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. I never knew that Brad Pitt could play something that, oh. that yes comical before. I oh, love yeah. Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah, we know. <laughs> I have a personal man crush on him. <laughs> yeah, throw it out there. Yeah, after Jackie Brown, like I think Inglorious Bastards is my next favorite Tarantino. Yeah. Wow. It's good. Yeah, awesome. Nice. Yep. Wow, on to, on to number two. Yay. Ooh, home We're almost there. Yep. We're going through them. And this is, uh, this movie, it was really close to being number one. It's it's one of my favorite, but my number one had to be number one. Uh, the Dark Knight. Really? Number two? Yes. Is the that the Dark first one or the second Knight. one? No, this second. is the one with um, Heath Ledger. Yep. That uh, plays the Joker. It's really good. And his his job, his role in that movie, oh my God, I can't can't say enough about it it's it's fantastic he, yeah heath ledger hit a home run on this one. Oh yeah just yeah. i've never seen anybody character act like that do you guys remember when they first announced the uh the news that heath ledger was cast as the joker and kind of the backlash There's against of that, that. Backlash. because yeah. he had just uh got done with brokeback mountain yeah and like a lot of people well, a lot of Plus, idiots what like, other, oh, well, you can't have like a, he's gonna play like a gay Joker. It's just like yeah, but like what other movies was he in before that too? Like a Knight's Tale and Ten Things That I, I love a Knight's Tale. I but just want to say that Knight's Tale is a fantastic movie. It, they weren't like great movies, so a lot of people were just like backlash. I mean, I wasn't one of them. I really could care less. I was just like, I'll see what happens. But it's just kind of like with the the Batman hate over Ben Affleck. Like, just wait and see what happens because Heath Ledger, like you said, blew it out. I of wasn't the park. really sure about Heath Ledger to be honest. I just remember. I trusted the director Christopher Nolan. Mm. He's a very intelligent filmmaker, and if he, if he, for some reason, 
he wants Heath Ledger. It's probably a good reason. Right. I'm like, all right, let's do it. Spoiler alert. Christopher Nolan makes a uh, appearance in my top two. Oh, oh, nice. Oh, there you go. Pretty good. No, but um, the halfway through that movie, you just you, you couldn't wait to watch more. I think the only thing that spoiled that movie for me at all in any way was Christian Bale's Batman voice. Yeah, last well, just the rest of them Rachel, where is she? Where is she? Yeah, that I like half the time I couldn't understand what he was saying. It was yeah, like, yeah. Someone, someone get him a cough drop, man. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. Seriously yeah. Somebody get this man a lozenge. <laughs> Interesting yeah, about I the Dark Knight is that like it I mean, obviously it's a superhero movie, but it feels the least like a superhero movie. Because it's all realistic. My... Right. I feel right. It's like well that's that, what that's Christopher Nolan was going for, going right. a realistic take on the Batman universe. Right. Especially since Batman is not a superhero. I'm just going to throw it out there. Batman isn't he a superhero. He does not have any superpowers. Right. I agree. He's just a person I, with special I agree. Well, with no equipment. Watching that movie, though, like it just like it, it went from like being a superhero movie to being like a just a really good movie in general. It's a good crime yeah. drama. Exactly. It's, it's, that's just yeah. what it is. It's a crime drama with a superhero, well, a hero in it that, like, you know, he's, he's there, but Batman's not always in every scene yeah. like they're showing other stuff that's happening around with all the other characters in the film there's a lot of other characters that have like involvement in the storyline well and they never reference him as batman they reference him as the batman and that's sort of like his street yeah. name like right. you know I, I liked how they didn't play up to the superhero aspect kind of like they did yeah. in the the third one with bane yeah where catwoman it was never Cat referenced as Catwoman. Right. She just had these like goggles yeah. that kind of came back, kind of looked like cat ears. She was a cat burglar, so he kind of made the connection there. Uh, Christopher Nolan yeah. did a really, I think, really the good best job. Thing in the Christopher Nolan did was uh, he turned the focus from Batman mm. to Bruce Wayne. Yes, the movies oh, yeah, yeah. were about Bruce Wayne, and that was the absolute correct move. Because before that, it was like all about you know the suit, the Batmobile, the gadgets, and also like whoever the villain was. And it was just like that was okay. But then it got really corny. Are you saying you're not a fan of the Adam West Batman's? With uh, the I watched Powell, them. I actually Bang watched them Zui. when I was a kid. But <laughs> oh, yeah. if you would ask, you asked me to choose one: Adam <laughs> West or Christian choose... Bale? Yeah, which one? Hmm. What about Val Kilmer? Ooh, George oh, yeah. Clooney, Bat nipples. Honestly, I grew, I grew up I, with Val Kilmer. So. I liked oh, man, his Batman so movie actually, Val Batman Kilmer's Forever. So I enjoyed it. But Batman and Robin, Ooh, not that was terrible. terrible. No, Batman and Robin. I, I'm sorry, I love Batman and Robin. Really serious? Screw that all was of the you. Bat Get nipples with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ugh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Blech. Mr. Freeze. Yeah. No. Totally grew up with that. Might be a horrible movie. Still love Chill it. Chill out. Yeah, God. <laughs> those, <laughs> those, yeah, those freeze puns, man, just would not stop. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Yeah. Poison Ivy. Oh, uh, yeah. Great. Uma Thurman. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good choice for number three or number two. two. All right. Yeah. All right. Number two is the second appearance of John Carpenter. <laughs> nice. And also, <laughs> Kurt Russell. I I think I just have like a huge man crush on Kurt Russell. Is I don't know. Third movie with Kurt Russell? I, was... I think you have a huge crush on 80s films, too. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong you with love, that. You love the eighties. It was a good decade for, uh, <laughs> for movies. No, uh, for those of you, uh, no Big Trouble in Little China. It's I knew it. Yep. It's, Big uh, Trouble Little China. It's I, it's kind of hard for me to describe. It's I it's kind of an action comedy B movie, or like there's also a lot of martial arts thrown in, and it's just. I always have a hard time describing it because there's always so many things going on. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not like anything else out there, right? Exactly. I think 
I think what it was is that like John Carpenter and Kurt Russell they wanted to make like a martial arts movie. <laughs> But like that just kind of got away from him, and they ended up making Big Trouble <laughs> in Little China, bit. which is all. It's like, it's one of my. I think it's like one of the best B movies of all time. It's a good B movie, yeah, 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 yeah no, exactly. It was just it, it never takes itself seriously. Kurt Russell is just hamming it up to the, to like the utmost degree. Yeah, he he called he he's like semi truck driver. His his semi truck is called the Pork Chop Express. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. There's a like the the climactic like action scene where like there's a lot of fights going on between the good guys and the bad guys. Mm. The beginning of the fight, Kurt Russell knocks him out or knocks himself out, and like he's like unconscious for most of the fight. <laughs> he doesn't show up till the end. There's a hilarious scene where they're all just like in an elevator. They had just taken like a potion. They had like no idea what was in it, and Kurt like they're all just like standing there in the elevator smiling. And Kurt <laughs> Russell's like, "Man, I, I'm feeling pretty good right now." <laughs> it's just. I love that movie because it just always makes me laugh. It never takes itself seriously. It knows what kind of movie it is and yeah. fucking owns it. And I love it for that. And I, I, I like your I like your analogy though. It's it's like John Carpenter started a kung fu movie and said, eh, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> I was just like, doing my. Own we thing. already shot the shots, John. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep him. John Carpenter used to be like so good. Oh, though. I know. Like you know, back during the days when he was making you know Big Trouble in China, the thing they live, also, yeah. Halloween, exactly. It they was just, live. John Carpenter in his prime is just movie. so good. Yeah. I just I love him. He yeah, kind of like, lost his touch, like in the late nineties. Well, you know, I mean, I guess you could say the candle just burnt too bright. Yeah, just like, <laughs> sure, I guess you could say <laughs> the that. candle burnt too bright. It didn't last that long, but uh, you know, I I love the uh, the results. John Carpenter's prime just was amazing, and you know, Kurt Russell is an amazing actor, and I think Kurt Russell knew, like, you know, these movies that he was making with John Carpenter, they were they were unique and special. I think he realized mm-hmm. that. Well, cool. As he was making movies, and I, I, I think it shows in yeah. all these movies they made with uh, John Carpenter. Yeah, nice. All right, all righty. Well, I'm gonna go into my number two. It's a movie that came out in 1979. Oh, and uh, I remember that year. You said t- <laughs> good year. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the thing, and the thing is one of my favorite. I mean, that's one of my favorite sci-fi horror films. One of my favorite horror films, but yes. my favorite. Sci-fi horror film is Alien. Nice. Ooh. Oh, okay. Alien, nice. The first Alien is just. I what happened was when I was young, I remember my dad was watching the Alien movies, and I I knew I wanted to get into it, so I told him I wanted to watch one of them. And I remember he he thought like my attention span wouldn't hold for like Alien because it's very slow moving. So he's like, let's watch Aliens. It's more action packed and stuff. And I was young at the time, so I was like, sure, like I'll whatever. I just want to watch one of them. So I watched Aliens. I remember I watched that and I was like, this is awesome. Like I, I love the movie. I was like, well now I got I want to go back and see what the first one's about. So I went back and watched the first one and like I was expecting not to like it just for the fact that like my dad just figured I wouldn't like it at that point. And even at a young age, like I thought that one was awesome. And really? for some reason it like it held my attention even for its slow build. And I remember I was trying to show it to people. Like, after I watched it, I was trying to show it to, like, some friends who hadn't seen it. And I remember taking it over to one of my friend's house uh, houses, and I I brought the movie. And actually, her and her grandma watched the movie with me. Oh, my God. And we were all watching it. And I was it's like... It's a great family movie. Right. <laughs> so they, like, decided to watch it. And I remember... She was, like, not sure she wanted to watch it because she didn't like horror movies, but she kind of wanted to see it. I remember her grandma was like, like, oh, like, 
I re- I started the movie and the movie starts playing out. It's a very slow scene through like the interior of the spaceship Nostromo, and it's it's just quiet. You see like co- a computer flicker on. I remember the whole time the grandma was like, "Oh, I bet you something scary is about to happen because it's so quiet and stuff." And I'm like, "That's how movies are nowadays. Like they yeah. do that slow t- tension yeah. and then all of a sudden, bam! Like a scariness. Cheap. And that's not what Alien was about. If you watch Alien, it's like." 50 minutes before you even see the alien. Oh, and what a... Which is crazy. And, and that like, alien oh, yeah, is and when just it a appears, death machine. Yeah, and when it appears, then everything goes to hell. So the last... For the first oh, hour... Wait, so the alien was a monster. It wasn't like an illegal immigrant. No, no, no. It wasn't... <laughs> wasn't this, this it was, was like, illegal, oh, no, illegal. <laughs> <laughs> This was a legal alien. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, yeah, no. It, uh... Like, that slow build, actually... There's, there's certain movies that I think have, like, a perfect cast... And I think this is one of them that has, like, just a perfect cast. Yeah. And you have Sigourney Weaver and Veronica Cartwright and Yafet Koto and Tom Skerritt. And Tom Skerritt was the big name in the movie. Like, everybody knew really? who Tom Skerritt was at that time. No one oh. really knew who Sigourney Weaver was. Well, yeah, this is her breakout role. Right. So you have Tom Skerritt, and he's supposed to be, like, this main character. He's the captain of the ship and everything. But yet he dies halfway through, which is, like... What? Like crazy, because then you're like, well, then who's the main character? Like, who are we following? And you're kind of just following all these characters. So when one dies, it's like a tragic event because there's only seven characters, and it's kind of this haunted house in space where they're dying off one by one. Yeah. Each character mattered, unlike in most horror movies, where, where it's it like, doesn't. Oh, ma- yeah, whatever. He died. Yeah, because you didn't have like, and I get it. Not every movie has to have like a 50 minute build up, but I'm yeah. saying that because of that 50 minute build up, when they do start dying, it's like tragic. Like you're like. You don't know who's going to die next. And it's kind of sad when somebody does because these people like Yafet Koto and um, what's his name? The guy who played Brett, they were like friends, like like they were good friends. So when Brett dies and Yafet Koto's character finds out he's, he's dead, like it's tragic for him because they were like friends throughout this whole journey. And I, I love that kind of stuff about him. Plus, when Dallas does die, I think it's one of the most suspenseful moments I've ever watched, yeah, like on, on in film, Paul, it's just crazy. Paul Reiser was in Aliens, right? Right, he's he was in the second in, one. He was in the first one. No, yeah, uh, it, the actual Alien was based off of the concept drawings of the late absolute genius H.R. Geiger. Yeah, and man, you want to talk about an app like something that was just born to just kill? I mean, that is That's just creepy. God damn. Also, the great thing like, I loved about that alien design is that it did not look anything Earth-like at no. all. Yeah, oh, really? You, you had never seen anything like that before. It was just little gray men with big eyes. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. And you got this creature that's crawling on walls. It's got acid for blood. I mean, this was like crazy, Like the stuff they came up with. And one other thing is when you find out Ian Holm is a robot, like yeah. that blew my yeah. mind. I, I didn't... I always thought robots were mechanical screws and nuts and bolts. And, like, you yeah. have this guy who's got, like, organs that they built him into uh, a robot. And you see that, like, drop of white blood or whatever. What the hell? Yeah, I'm like, what's going on with it? Like, who? what's wrong with this guy? Right. And I remember him and Sigourney Weaver getting into, like, that big fight. And it that was crazy. That was something, like, that was completely unexpected. And I don't know. Like, I think really Scott... And he's done some great movies, but that's definitely like my favorite one. Yeah, and definitely my favorite horror and sci-fi film. What was your reaction the first time you saw the uh, chest, chest puncturing? puncturing. Oh. It's I. 
I kind of expected it because I saw Aliens first. Oh. I've never seen it, so it kind of ruined that that sense. That's why the Dallas scene when he dies is such a huge thing because that actually made me jump, the Dallas scene, because you have this guy, Dallas, who's going to chase out. They think the alien's really small because when he burst out of John Hurt's chest, he's this small little creature, right. but he grew up really fast, and they didn't realize that. So Dallas goes into the air vents, and they're gonna, he's going to chase him with a flamethrower out of the airlock, and then they're going to blast him into space. Well, Dallas goes there, uh, goes into the airlocks, and Sigourney Weaver, Yafet Kodo, and Veronica Cartwright are all like kind of watching the radar. And I remember him going through each air vent slowly, slowly, slowly. And you can kind of see when they start seeing him, seeing the little bleep on the radar, they're like, all right, he's right near you. And he, he can't see him. And he's like, I don't. You know, I don't see the alien. I don't know where he is. And the whole time, it's just the tension's building, building. And finally, you can see in Dallas's eyes, like, I, I just want to get out of here. And he even says, like, I, all right, let's, I'm just going to get out of here. Like, get, get me out of here right now. Right. So then, then Veronica Cartwright starts claiming, like, the alien's coming right for you. I just remember him shooting the flamethrower around, trying to see if he could see the alien. Doesn't see him. And he starts panicking. Climbs down the ladder, and that's when he turns around. The alien's like right there. Oh my god! You remember that scene where he turns? Yeah, it's like loud, loud screech, and it's just sitting there. And like that part, that part gets me goosebumps. That's that's a good movie. Yeah, so that's my number two. Very good. Uh, So I'm guessing Alien Resurrection's not your number one, right? Ooh, yeah. We'll see. Oh man, David Fincher's Alien (laughs) Three, Alien versus Predator. Yes. Oh, honorable mention. Yeah. Not, honorable really. not really. I'm on the shit list. My number two, uh, Quentin Tarantino makes a lot of appearances on my list. <laughs> uh, I consider Someone's it. Someone's got a crush. Yeah, a little bit. I consider it one movie, but it's the Kill Bill series. Um, nice. Kill Bill is broken up into two movies Kill Bill Volume 1, Kill Bill Volume 2. And it basically follows Uma Thurman as the bride. You never really find out her name until the very end, but she's just known as the bride. Um, what it does, the story, the plot line behind it is that the bride used to be a hit girl for this um, clan that, what, um, his name is escaping me at the moment, uh, the actor's name who leads them all, who's Bill. David Carradine. David Carradine. Uh, he, he leads this group of five marauders that all work for him. Uh, to just be guns for hire hitmen, like for political assassinations and all this stuff, like really, really high end um, ass- uh, assassins. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets out of the game, and David Carradine, who is Bill, hires uh, the rest of the Marauders to go after the bride and kill her. What they don't find out, or what you f- what you find out somewhat early on, is that when they find her, she is in a chapel pregnant about nine months pregnant and they waste her mm. spoiler alert she's not dead but her baby's gone <laughs> oh no uh, baby's dead uh so she is on a mission through two movies to find each one that has done her wrong including bill and take them out yep. individually now what i really like about this movie is that it was a lot of Jumping around, classic Tarantino, but what I really like is that, it, like I said, it's broken up into two movies. The first movie is all kung fu movie. Mm. Second movie is all spaghetti western. Right. But it fucking works so perfectly. Mm. Um, I do like the, it's it's sort of that kind of, I wouldn't call it, you know, it's not like rape revenge, but it is sort of in that genre of the absolute, you know, 
um, it, it to me it's the epitome of revenge movies because mm. I mean in, right in the beginning she makes a list and it, it's five people it's the four Marauders plus Bill and it's obviously you know what's going to happen and they go into great detail of how she tracks down and kills all four of the Marauders and then it finally at the end of volume two it gets to Bill and it's this incredible scene incredible dialogue between Bill and Uma Thurman. Uh, David Carradine and Uma Thurman. I'm not going to give it too much away, but the ending. Every time I watch it, I've I've seen it. I don't know, twenty, thirty plus times. Every time I watch the ending, I'm always like, I always have that little giddiness inside of me that goes, yes, like yeah. all is right, like all is. She did it. She did it. And there's kind of a twist at the end that I won't give away, but that. Aren't they maybe going to make a Kill Bill Volume 3? They definitely are. There. And everybody's going, Kill Bill Volume 3, what are you going to base it off of? And I'll tell you. And it works perfectly. Do you remember in the very first movie when she goes after, not Black Mom, but uh, the black girl, the black woman? Yeah, Vivica Fox or whatever I think was her name. Yeah, yeah. She kills the black woman, spoiler alert. It's the first scene in the movie. Yeah. Uh, she kills the black woman, and her little daughter walks in, and you remember Uma Thurman telling the daughter, saying, hey, I'll tell you what. If you feel salty about this, come find me, and we'll get we'll make it square. Mm. Guess what? Yeah, that's going to be her. Yeah, it's going to be about her. Uh, so it's sort of tables turned. That's kind of so. cool. Yep. It'll be uh, fun. I mean, I trust it. Literally, I, I don't know that Quentin Tarantino has a bad film. So I I, nah, I trust I so. almost everything he does. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So All I guess right. it comes Lucy to that Lou. point in the podcast where we go around the table and we name off our uh, top one. Today happens to be top. Movie of all time. Oh God! There no pressure, go. guys. No, yeah. pressure. no pressure at all. I I feel like mine's gonna be so controversial. JJ, all right. I think Do you it. said that about all your picks. Yeah, and yeah. it's only Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> Forrest Gump again. Forrest you Gump again. Like, yeah. You had said like Birth of a Nation. It was like my yeah, all-time yeah. favorite movie. <laughs> I JJ, what's your number one? Race. I don't know. Okay, the, but the, the movie that's my top one. It it kind of set the standard for a lot of action movies. Uh, coming on behind it, and it really it's 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 fantastic. The storyline, everything about it. My top movie of all time. <laughs> Here it comes. Anticipation's killing me. The Matrix. Oh, the Matrix. The Matrix. Wow. It, I knew it'd be controversial. <laughs> you know, one of the brothers that directed that is a. Never mind. He's a girl now. He's a girl now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I it, heard about that. It's totally okay. <laughs> I know okay. it's not. You know what? Because I'm not. Um, racist. I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah, the that well, neither am I, but... <laughs> no, but it, I, it really did. Like, uh, when that movie came out, it, it invented a lot of the technology they use. Um, bullet time. For, yeah, bullet motion. time. Yeah. Um, um, so much in that. Um, the story is great. You know, society of, of, of what you see, is it real, you know? Or are we just imagining everything? Is there something else going on behind the scenes? Here's my problem with The Matrix. Oh, God. If The Matrix <laughs> was just The Matrix... It would have made my top five easily, but it's those fucking movies that follow. Okay, can, that yeah. can, really, can you really blame the Matrix Reloaded? Okay, those movies are awful. That's they're, kind they're of how I feel terrible. about Star Wars, though. I'll agree with JJ. Like the Matrix, just take it on its own. It's fine, but sequels just don't just don't count them. So without thinking about the sequels, the sequels, it, the Matrix, Matrix is a great movie. The Matrix is a great movie. It's just the CGI fights. With oh my god, I, 
if I'm watching a movie and I go, wow, I'm playing a video game right now that has better fucking graphics than this movie, there's a problem. Wait, there's when a was problem. this movie released? What year? 99? I want to say 98, 99. I think it was 99. Yeah. No, I th- I, the original Matrix, I think it was earlier than that. I think it was probably 97. Wow. Might be 97. Yeah. It's either 97 or 99. It came out on an odd year, I think. The 1960s. Because I remember it came out <laughs> in middle school. came out in middle school. I, didn't, I was still... I, I didn't go to high school until 2000, so it had to have been 98, 99. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I liked... Yeah. I, I definitely liked Number the Number one, though? I, I, could, I could watch this movie over and over again. I remember when I first saw that movie, my mind was just blown yeah. by the graphics. It was just like... You know, when Neo's on that rooftop and he just like completely kind of bends over just to block that bullet. That was that was amazing. I just, you know, but other than that, the uh, the story was a uh, was pretty interesting. It was a uh, it was kind it's of the old out there. It's definitely well, it's like the old philosophical debate think, about what is reality. Exactly. You know, they just made that into an action adventure uh, sci-fi movie. There was nothing wrong with that. No, oh, it was, yeah, it was yeah. very well done. I, I like, you know, the whole fact that you become unplugged and, yes. you know, that there's these uh, species of robots that have are just using us for battery power. It's it's a very fathomable storyline. It didn't go too far outside of belief. You know, and Keanu yeah. had a very, was, had a very uh, Christian aspect to it, by the way. And uh, a lot of, lot, of, lot of Christian. Oh, by the way, 1999. It. The Nebuchadnezzar. Nebu- oh, yeah, right. Yes. The yeah. I think where a lot of the success came from this movie is that this was just just on the dawn of the success of like the expansion of the internet. And if you ever watch The Matrix, it's basically hey, we're all trapped in the internet esque yeah. sort of server. Th- yes, we're right. all in the network. Um, I felt like that had a big part to do with it. Like hey, maybe with this advent of the internet in the last six years, this isn't. This isn't far off. Maybe, maybe, maybe we're all you know. So the timing of it, you think, was really integral to the uh, success of it. Absolutely. Really. Oh yeah. Think of think of the if the Matrix came out today. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. Let's well, think about that. Everyone. Shh. Yeah. Okay. Just think. I'm done. All right. Love it. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait. I took the blue pill. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> uh, honestly, yeah. I think. Another big part of the success in the movie is Hugo, Hugo Weaving, his uh, who played Agent, Agent Smith, Smith in the movie. Oh yeah, it was that was his breakout role. Yeah, yeah. it was a really menacing performance. He's like king of the Smith. nerds now. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean he voiced Megatron in the Transformers movie, Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings. Elf. Yeah, um, but yeah, like uh, Neo and Agent Smith, the uh, the fight at the end. Where Neo mm. just like suddenly realizes like he's the like, one. I'm the one. He starts to see like green code everywhere. And he mm. just like jumps inside Agent Smith and it just explodes. And it's just like this movie's cool. I just can't. <laughs> I can't help but like it. Yeah, I just think with the sequels, they kind of took that approach that like Star Wars did, Wars where better. it was more grant uh, glamour and like these right. CGI effects. They're like, oh, let's now have Ooh. Keanu Reeves fight. A hundred Agent Smiths. Yeah. And it was just like, or yeah. I don't, I don't really want to talk about the sequels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's just stick with the Matrix. Should have yeah. made it number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, number one, you got to talk about the sequels. That's yeah, that's absolutely yeah. what ruined yeah. it for me. Really, just the sequels and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I, I wish can, I can still take it on its own, just like Star Wars. I can I can take it on on its own. A lot of a lot of movies have like really crappy sequels and 
you kind of yeah. just forget about them. But I think I think they went into that movie knowing that they were going to do. They did. I think they knew more. that they were going to do a, a trilogy. And I think I think success, the limelight just blinded them. They're like, holy shit! Like, who thought this, that this movie would do what it did? And but I think I just, they just ran too far with it. I feel like they're just so like pretentious, though, in the yes. sense that after all three were released. Um, the Wachowskis, like, people ask them, like, what does it mean? Like, what was the whole architect thing at the end of three or whenever that he appeared? And, and they're just like, we're not going to explain it. I feel like they just they don't, don't know. know. They yeah. don't know. They don't know. They're just like, we kind of screwed the pooch on the second <laughs> and third one. We just added some shit. And, like, Gosh, the third one is so awful. The third one was really bad. It's so bad. Yeah, the second one is all right. It was okay. Yeah. I didn't hate it. Third well, whatever. Bad. All right. Anyway, the baby. Yeah. The baby Fuck that. Never mind. Fuck yeah. it. John, what's your number <laughs> John, one? John, number one. Yeah, number one. This is a movie. It was actually pretty easy for me to pick my uh, number one movie. It's been my top movie ever since I first seen it, ever since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, would be Steven Spielberg's action-adventure classic, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, Raiders of the Lost nice. Ark. Yeah, starring nice. Harrison Ford. The uh, that's, that's the first one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I, that's such a fucking good one. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a big action adventure movie guy in general. So, you know, people know me like, you know, of course, he's going to have like an action adventure movie, you know, as top spot. And for me, Raiders, you know, it exemplifies what action adventure should be. Mm-hmm. You have like interesting characters, really good action, a plot that doesn't really meander. It just goes from one scene to another. It's all done in a very exciting way. You know. Oh yeah, just on the edge of your seat, like. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Harrison Ford. That was Harrison, he, that was him in his prime. I think Harrison Ford did Indiana Jones better than he did Han Solo. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Last for me. Han, Han Solo was kind of <laughs> Han Solo. He played kind of hammy, but yeah, I mean but uh, that was his earlier role too. So like, I can see that. You know, Indiana Jones is like a macho, supposed to be like a macho, you know, gruff Sarcastic. type of guy. Yeah, and that's Harrison Ford in general. Yeah, <laughs> he's really. like, very charming, like yeah, extremely charismatic. He's pretty much the guy that every every boy wants to grow up to be and every lady wants to sleep with, mm-hmm. basically. And some boys, too. Yeah, some yeah, boys, too. Yeah, yeah, sure. Judge. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, nah. not at all. Uh, Karen Allen. Karen Allen is one of my favorite female co-stars. Like, her character is, like, one of my favorite female kind of supporting characters of all time. She's very, like, tomboyish, too. Yeah, she was tomboyish. She, I, I don't want to say she was, like, like a... You know, she wasn't helpless because there were times like she needed to be saved right, by right, Harrison right. Ford. Yeah, but yeah. she was, she could like she could stand her own. She wasn't the full on damsel. In I love the way they introduced her character. It was like in the, the middle drinking. of a drinking game, yeah. and she yeah. outdrank that dude who's like twice her size. Yeah. That's the awesome. uh, have you seen her in Crystal Skull? Yeah, I I don't know what that movie is. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay just checking. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> the enemies are you know they're Nazis. I mean that's that's everyone's, true. everyone's yeah everyone's enemy yeah yeah but I guess I I want to say like Indiana Jones fought the Nazis better than everyone else did I love I love <laughs> that they did like you know even tonight. our troops yeah okay oh, <laughs> oh. controversial Freedom. Yeah. hero I love that they did the movie came out in the eighties and I love that they did like a callback to the thirties yeah it, it was, was uh, completely based on the nineteen thirties and it was it looked like the nineteen thirties. It's perfect. Like yeah. all, all the tanks, all the jeeps, uh, the weaponry, the outfits, everything. 
the dialogue that they used. Yeah, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg. Could do. Yeah, yeah, they want to <laughs> reproduce Lucas. the kind of the actions, pulpy serials from the uh, right from the thirties and forties. So that's what they were going for. They uh, they did actual stunts. Um, and also one thing I want to mention is mm-hmm. like another big component of why I love this movie is John Williams. It's one of the best oh, yeah. film oh, composers yeah. of all time. The yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark theme is one of the most iconic in movie history. Mm-hmm. Like, you hear that song playing, and it just gets your juices flowing. Like, I want to... Like, you just... You can oh, just yeah, imagine... Right. You instantly imagine, like, a... <laughs> that was close. <laughs> That's yeah. Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was singing the Jurassic Park theme. It's all John Williams. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, the uh, the beginning of the movie where he's uh, going through the, the temple, and oh, yeah. right from the boulder. Yep. The uh, the fight scene where he's uh, fighting that huge Nazi, and like uh, there's that like, that plane, and they're going like uh, fighting around that plane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's the uh, I can't. That might have been like uh, I'm starting to all the movies starting to blur together. <laughs> I was starting to I was about to describe the scene from Last Crusade. <laughs> but, like I think like one of my the favorite part. About the movie That's, for me, it's got to be everybody's favorite part. Is the ending? Yes, actually, the face melting part. Yeah, like for an action adventure movie, everyone expects like a lot of big explosions, like the hero right. just like going guns blazing, just yeah. kill everybody. That didn't really happen. Mm-mm. I mean, how suspenseful was it when they finally opened the ark? Yeah, and you're like, what the hell is? And it's nothing. Yeah, yeah. and then all of a sudden, this angelic like music ghosts. starts coming. Yeah, yeah. holy shit. Yep. And the whole time, Indiana Jones and Marion Ravenwood, they're just tied to a pole. Yeah, yeah. It's like, just close your eyes. <laughs> yeah. like, that was Luckily, just... that worked. <laughs> yeah. And, like, honestly, the uh, the little thing that they had at the end, where, like, uh, what'd you do with the Ark? Oh, we got top men looking into it. Who? Yeah, yeah. Top men. And then it cuts to the uh, the guy, like, wheeling the Ark down this, like, uh, really long well, warehouse. Perfect ending. Ending. And then that's when, like, the music kicks in and the mm. credits start rolling. It's just, like, everything about that movie I love. It's perfect for me. Yeah, you mentioned like uh, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas used a lot of like older like serials and stuff like for like their inspiration yeah. for uh, Indiana Jones. And I remember um, we did a Academy Award snubbed podcast on 1950s, and one of the movies we watched was called um, King Solomon's King Mines. Solomon's Mines. And I I know that that had some influence on both George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, which was one of the original kind of adventure tales. Yes. And then also Steven Spielberg, one of his favorite movies, if not his favorite, is a movie called Gunga Din with Cary Grant, which is a um, uh, an adventure tale that takes place in India. And it's about these three brothers that go off to India and they get involved with like this kind of cult following oh, okay. uh, Kali, the the god of Kali or whatever yeah. uh, it is. And I remember like reading about how like that kind of stuff inspired Steven Spielberg, which is kind of cool because like I mean I've seen those movies and I can see how they like yeah. inspired him. And I I love like that he introduced like more action into the mix and like still did it like. Really well. The one thing I should uh, talk about is because I mentioned earlier with Star Wars, it's like how the sequels kind of. Ma- I feel like Star Wars lost its luster because of the, the sequels. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, you know, I still love Raiders, and I actually, well, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull aside, I actually mm-hmm. love the sequels, mm-hmm. Temple of Doom, yep. and Last Crusade. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people didn't like Temple of Doom. Personally, I, I loved oh, it because how I dark it was. Yeah. I didn't like it. Yeah, the the uh, the road bridge scene. 
Like that's yeah, one of my oh, favorite scenes of all time. Man. Yeah, that's seriously. Cool. That's a cool scene. Uh, Last Crusade, like uh, Sean Connery's his dad, like uh, their relationship that they had, like mm-hmm. that was great. Actually, James Bond was a big inspiration for Indiana Jones too. That's why they yeah. had like those continuing Cause, uh, adventures. Because Steven Spielberg was uh, told George Lucas, like, yeah, I'm thinking about directing like a Bond movie, and like George right. Lucas, like, no, no, I let's got do our own. For you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's do our own Bond movie. Yeah, I Which feel like cool. unlike the Star Wars movies, the sequels didn't really. Well, aside from Kingdom Crystal Skull, the uh, the sequels didn't really kind of bring down Indiana Jones for me. I'll That's still cool. watch all the Indiana Jones movies, even Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. No. Honestly, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I, I heard a quote one time that said it's three times better than anyone tells you it is, which no, it's I, I, I kind of feel like it's not as bad as if, people think it is. If it wasn't an Indiana Jones movie, it would be it'd be really good. I'm just going to point out one scene. I know. I'm sure you're on vines and you, shit. Yeah. You probably forgot this, that Shia LaBeouf gets thrown into a tree during uh, the Russians are chasing them through the woods. And all of a sudden, he finds a monkey. The monkey looks right back at him. And then all of a sudden, Shia LaBeouf is swinging on vines with monkeys that are attacking Russians that are getting eaten alive. Yes. I yeah. By fire ants. Jungle fire ants. I swear to God, during that part, three pink elephants could have walked through the screen. I would have been like... This is more believable than what the fuck <laughs> is being written right now. When I saw Charlotte, and then aliens, aliens is the big payoff at the end. Yeah, because yeah, it was yeah. set in the fifties, and I was like, that's what they wanted to go for." He gets right. stuck in a refrigerator, survives a nuclear yes. blast. Okay, but Temple of Doom wasn't too realistic. Jumping out of an airplane on a raft. Well, come on. Actually, MythBusters proved that. Did they? Myth? Okay. All right. Ooh, Here's the thing. Temple of Doom. Can I point out one thing out about yeah, MythBusters? We walked on a moon too. Let me let me point out one thing about MythBusters. They're not always right. They what? don't know how to test shit sometimes. What? You know how they tested whether you can fight off a shark? They built a robotic shark and climbed in its mouth. That is not how you test that, okay? <laughs> that is not ac- They said, "Can you punch?" They got in it. They laid down in the shark's mouth, like back to the top of the shark, and he said, "Go ahead, try to punch the shark." What the hell does that even mean? <laughs> of course it's not going to kill you. How do you test that shit? Okay. So screw Mythbusters so some, on some that. Some tests they screw up. Okay. Like <laughs> the, moon, the moon landing episode, yeah. that, was, that was fantastic. I don't know. Well, did they agree that the moon landing happened? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Without well, a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. And they, they showed it all. And it was pretty it was pretty. Well, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Indiana Jones. Love it. Raiders of the Lost Ark. My favorite Indiana Jones movie of all time. Good pick. My yeah, favorite, favorite movie, movie of all time. time. Yeah. And nice. yeah. All right. Well, oh, Robert, I already know. I know what it is. I'm moving over we to all mine. Know. I know what it is. Everybody kind of probably already knows this, and it's another Steven Spielberg Can I guess feature. It? Can I guess it? Sure. It's Munich. No. <laughs> no? No? Oh. Wow. No. It's the one that you sang before. Oh, Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's also Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. No, it is Jurassic Park. The movie Great. came out in 1993, and it's been my favorite movie since then. You know, Good I was movie. just hearing a fun fact about this, and it was um, only 15 minutes of the movie was actual dinosaur footage yeah. out of the 127 minutes, and it's still the only most memorable parts of the movie is the dinosaur that's what most people remember is yeah, like the dinosaur so stuff. Amazing. Well, that's the thing is like out of all like I'm one for actual animatronic dinosaur or animatronics in films, and they did have animatronic dinosaurs in the film, but they also did CGI. And for some reason, the CGI with most of the dinosaurs, most of the scenes holds up really to, well. Still, still to this day. Still, and I don't understand how movies like The Mummy, which I love The Mummy, but the CGI just does not stand up. And it came out. 
eight years after or seven years after Jurassic Park. Spielberg touch. I guess. I mean, it's just. I mean, and it is a mixture. They they use claymation, they use animatronics, and they use CGI. But the CGI, there's one scene where the T Rex is chasing the Jeep, and it oh my it, God. it looks still like now, didn't they also real. re-release the movie in IMAX? Yes, like a, in 3D. Oh, sorry, just uh, to hijack your uh, thing real quick. They also re-released Raiders of Lost Ark in IMAX. <laughs> they did, yeah, a couple years back, and it looked amazing, <laughs> yeah. just like Jurassic Park did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, they yeah. were they were originally going to do Jurassic Park as claymation, and they I think they spent like a year or two like animating these dinosaurs mm-hmm. and and then Steven Spielberg came in and said this isn't good enough. Right. So I think Steven Spielberg because of Jurassic Park is re- solely responsible for catapulting CGI in movies. Cuz I think mm-hmm. correct me and if I'm wrong, this is this is the first CGI movie ever made. It's well uh it's Outside one of, of the first. Yeah, yeah. I think it. it I, I'm not positive it's the first, but I I would believe it if it is cuz it's definitely one of the first. But it also is the first to do Dolby Digital surround sound. Oh, yeah. When the movie Ooh, came out, yeah. it was the first oh, one to wow. have surround sound, which really like upped the tension when you had the footsteps and all like the the T Rex roaring and all. For that me, kind of like Dino DNA. <laughs> For me, like the best scene in that movie. It's also one of my all time favorite scenes. Like when the kids are sitting in the jeep. They're just oh, waiting yeah. for someone to come, God, come yeah. rescue them, yeah. and then they see like this glass of water. It's just for some reason it's sitting on a dashboard. <laughs> And then you can see, like, kind of, you hear, like, something in the distance. And then, like, you see, like, the water start to ripple, like, yeah. a little bit. But, like, as time goes on, like, the ripples get, like, get bigger and bigger. And then you start to hear, like, the dump, the dump. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you see, like, this huge eye just, yeah. like, yeah. Come, yeah. Come, into the, yeah. come into the windshield. I'm just like, yep. holy crap. Yep. It's a T-Rex. <laughs> yeah. That, dude, that that movie, I mean, the the tension and, like, the, the visual effects and just everything – melded together so well and like they you know the t-rex is like the huge scene like in the middle of the film that really showcases like the power that they had when they were making this film but you also had like the raptors which added kind of like almost a horror element to like the the, the ending right the last half hour which is really awesome and i want to point out that like I, i feel like there's two types of of um films like there's there's movies and then there's actual porn. like film, the porn. There's okay. porn. And then there's movies. Okay. So there's Sharknado. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the two types. No, there's movies, and then there's films. Like what I consider a movie is something like Jurassic Park or Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think Steven Spielberg is the master at making movies. Like the, the reason why you go to a theater and go watch a movie, and like yeah. you have movies. Like I feel like Transformers is a movie. I feel like those kind of big budget blockbusters are movies but steven spielberg is the one who can do them really well when i talk about like film i'm talking about like like more artistic they're trying to tell like a genuine story a lot of drama um like like, forrest gump like forrest gump is a film (laughs) but but like i feel like like that's a movie movie like he made a movie movie because you watch jurassic park and not everything makes sense in the movie and a lot of it's done just for like the purpose of being like enthralling like the very end you have the two raptors right and they're closing in on the heroes wait i've never seen it don't spoil you never it. Seen it okay, okay. well <laughs> the end <laughs> no <laughs> the two raptors are closing in on the heroes and all of a sudden you have like you, you don't know how they're gonna get out of it because they're like about to attack one of the raptors is about to lunge and right when he lunges the t-rex grabs them now they heard the t-rex from like miles away 
in the car scene. How did he get in the How museum? Did, yeah. Well, here's the all thing. All clandestine <laughs> and shit. Yeah. Well, they did have like a, a, a large like open area in the museum because they were still doing construction. But like, how do you not hear him come up to it? But it doesn't matter. Like that doesn't matter. That's like the perfect ending because it wasn't – not that the characters were bad in Jurassic Park. Like, I liked all the characters. I like Sam Neill. Jeff I like Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. I think yes. it's one of – besides the fly, that's yeah. his best role I think. It's <laughs> oh, just yeah. playing in Malcolm. It's just awesome. Uh, um, but, but the dinosaurs were the real stars of it. So to have like a dinosaur be attacked by a dinosaur and not be like, so like fake as like a, maybe like the old King Kong movies or whatever. Like, I just thought like that was great. And it's just like, it's a good area like to end the film on and like right. a good climax to the, to the film. And I remember seeing the T-Rex come down and grab him. Like, I didn't think about like all the logistics of how the T-Rex got there. I didn't care. It was oh, just you're like, in the moment. He got there. Yeah. It was just awesome. So I, I feel like. That's a great movie movie, and a lot of it is nostalgia, but definitely, I mean, since 1993, it's, it's been my favorite movie and still remains Oh, that movie! Did, that movie certainly holds up, and I think a lot, I mean, don't tell me I'm alone on this. After I watched that movie the first time, which I remember, like it was yesterday, seeing it in the theater. I, I remember mm-hmm. going to the theater with my parents and yeah. seeing this. I remember walking out of that and being like, so that's... That can really happen, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. and still, like, I'm watching yeah. the movie, like, you know, last year, and I'm like, so we can really do that, right? It's, I it's, mean, the, the whole mosquito DNA. thing, trap, uh, I mean, it makes sense. It had a decent story. That's the thing is, I, I know it's kind of a made-up science, and, and they're saying, like, it probably can't happen. But uh, Michael Crichton, who wrote the book Jurassic Park and the sequel Lost World, among many other books, he, he graduated from Harvard and, right. as a medical student, and he, like... He knew his science. Oh, yeah. And he was great at mixing science with, like, thrills. And that's what all his Congo, Sphere, um, Jurassic Park, Lost World, all, all his movies have, like, this element of science. Have you ever read his books? Yeah, I've read, yeah. I think, all of them, maybe, except for, like, two. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, when you read Jurassic Park and you read The Lost World, I mean, how many times have we all seen that movie? You read Jurassic Park many, many years after the movie came out, and you're like, how the fuck is this going to end? Like, it's still, yeah, it's, it's still like thrilling for you. Yeah, it's still like great. And I, I, I don't know. I just I feel like that combination of that science, like where it had that kind of realistic storyline that it could possibly happen. Maybe right. like I, I think that helps propel like into this realism that like made it a little bit better as a film. Oh, it was it was it was not a hard concept to swallow by any means. Oh, I mean, yeah. it, I didn't have to go that far out of my imagination to to really believe that this. Was a for real situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not to throw a damper on your uh, on this. Uh, but, uh, oh God, what did you re- hate about it? No, no. There's. Just, I just want to <laughs> say, just, they uh, recently discovered that like uh, DNA actually has like a half life. Yeah, like, I've heard a of that. A couple million years. So like, no, not really. You can't really do that. Like, mm. it depends on how old the DNA sample is. Right. If Weren't they too... trying to bring back like a woolly mammoth or something like that? Well, the woolly mammoth was actually closer. Yeah, that's the ice the, uh, age. Than I mean, dinosaurs. Yeah. So. But yeah, just a fun fact, I guess, or depressing fact. Depressing fact, yeah, depending how you look at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, but that's my number one. All right. So last but not least, for my number yeah. one, let's all imagine. Let's all think about what sort of movie environment we're all living in today. Um, we go to movies that are all based off of either TV shows, or books, or. You know, comic th- books, they're com- sequels. They're completely unoriginal. They're reboots or something. They're all completely yeah. unoriginal ideas. And this is sort of the environment that we sort of have to live in 
as moviegoers today. Mm. Um, it's very few and far between that you find a movie that was actually written by the director or completely original story. But let me ask you, in the last five years, what is the only original movie, blockbuster movie, that you can remember that really hit home? Like Avatar? Written, written by the uh, <laughs> Avatar is not original. <laughs> written by the director? Yep, himself. written by the director. Completely not a book, not a TV show, just uh, completely all original. I want to say movie. like maybe the, the Edgar Wright movies, like uh, he's movies he's done. They're still like spoofs though. Oh, are they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Wes Anderson movies. I know they're not based <laughs> on anything. That's true. Yeah, my number one pick is Christopher Nolan's 2010 blockbuster hit Inception. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. It's. Uh, I know you can give me as much shit as you want for this one, oh. but. I like I, I like thinking I like thinking man's books I like thinking man's m- movies thinking man's music. Mm. When you first saw this movie, you had no fucking clue what was going on. Much like no. most of Christopher Nolan's outside of the Batman realm, most of Christopher Nolan's movies. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is going on in this movie? And then all of a sudden you start piecing things together and you realize how deep this rabbit hole can really go and mm. that it, it, it's just incredible, and the storyline behind it between Leonardo DiCaprio and his wife, or deceased wife, yeah, like how that all plays into it, is just incredible to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a movie, hands down, you have to see twice, otherwise you're not going to understand what the hell's twice. going on. I I saw the movie more than twice, and I still I was I remember one time I was watching you know YouTube videos, and I was in a dark side of YouTube, <laughs> yeah. and oh, uh, I started watching scary. Inception. Uh, explaining Inception, the movie, and there were so many videos, yeah. and they made me see things I never saw before, and I had to watch Inception again, and I still like, oh my god, there's so much yeah. to the movie, and it's 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 absolutely insane to yeah. Think about. I think the visual effects, the completely original, the complete originality of the storyboard, is just you know th- these are the sort of movies that need to be coming out more these days you know it's like who fucking cares about transformers or 22 jump street or yeah. whoever gives a shit you know everything's based off a book or a comic book or whatever the fuck i think we're getting sick of that i think we need to go down more of the road of inception and i remember when i first saw inception i walked to that movie scratching my head but but still going like wow that was the most unique movie i've ever seen in my life mm. That's awesome. Um, think, oh, sorry. Continue. I just, I mean, oh. and plus, like you, you know, the the visual graphics were amazing. The action scenes, like for instance, oh, when yeah. uh, he's in I, I, the hallway, the hallway, like and Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yes. Yeah. they and actually it, built that set and had it spin, and he had to like run through it and it, stuff. I mean, you watch that and you're like, wow, this isn't CGI. They're really doing this. Yeah, like, this is just it's just an incredible work of visual art. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Just like any other, just like all the other Christopher Nolan movies, even the Batman movies. Like, yeah. More than like any other, more than like any other director, you really have to pay attention to his movies. Mm. Just yeah. like, I'm not saying that in a bad way, because like his plots are very intricate. They're, I don't want to say like delicate, because that sounds kind of flowery. But, uh, <laughs> they're a little flowery. Like, uh, he's a master storyteller. He's very cerebral. Um, yes. but the thing is, he's also very good at action scenes. Mm. And, like, that kind of combination is very rare in Hollywood these days. Yeah. And I think Inception really kind of exemplifies, you know, Christopher Nolan the best. 
you know, it's Inception's not an easy movie to follow, but it also has really great action scenes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's just yeah, Inception. When I first saw it, it was just I, I loved it from the beginning to end. Mm. Um, you know, it's just I've been a fan of Christopher Nolan ever since I saw Memento with Guy Pierce. Oh, uh, to this yeah. day, like like. You know, I'm not gonna lie. Watching Memento gives me a headache. <laughs> yeah, I didn't you really know? enjoy Memento personally. Yeah, no, that was I, kind of hacky. I, I don't know. I I enjoyed Memento because it was it felt very original. Like it was just I've like never seen one. a movie like that before. You know, when I first heard that Christopher Nolan was going to be the making the new Batman movies, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. You know, obviously that paid off well. I think the reason why he did the Batman movies is because like he wanted uh, to show everybody like you know. Like, I can make movies that everyone likes. Like, I know, like, you know, Memento. He also made a movie called The Following. It was, like, his kind of his first movie. That was, yeah. That was you know, they're time. very, they're thinking man's films. But I just yeah. want to show you that, like, people will watch these movies. Because, you know, Batman, obviously, they're superhero movies. But they were, they were like, they were smarter than average, like, yeah. uh, superhero movies. And, like, so he just wanted, I think he made the Batman, Batman movies to show the suits. Like, okay, I can make. These types of stories people want to see. And Inception, like the only reason why he got to make Inception is, is because the Dark Knight made so much money right. for them. You're yeah. absolutely right. You know, they were just, they just told Christopher Nolan's like, okay, dude, like here's the money. Just make us some more money. Yeah. We trust you. Here's what I love most about that movie. Still to the, how long ago did that movie come out? Four or five years ago? Yeah. Yeah, four years Still ago. Still to this day, there's still an argument of how it ended. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. What it was, was the ending? And one of the YouTube videos I was discussing this, and um, and every I love it because it's it, everybody I talk to. It's a fifty fifty cut. But no, right. it was talking about the the totem because you know in in the movie it talks about the totem and he spins it right, and if it falls, then it's it's real. Know, it's real. But right. if it doesn't, but remember in the movie he was talking about everybody has a totem, right. but remember. The totem that he spanned wasn't his. It was Ma's. It's Ma's. It was yeah. his wife's. It wasn't his totem. He had a different totem, and they were talking about yeah. what his totem was. I forget what it was. I feel terrible, but I'm going to watch that YouTube video again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But his totem was completely different, um, and it basically talked about like the movie. The whole movie is his dream, and he explained. He was kind of explaining why. It was like one guy's theory, hmm. but it was amazing. Yeah, and, That's and interesting. to get into the plot line, it would be another whole podcast because it is that deep and dark but it's just basically it's uh everybody's heard the old adage it's a dream within a dream within a dream this yeah. is that movie um and it's hard to decipher what is real and these characters throughout inception have to carry what they call totems with them and they're sort of personalized only they know what this totem is supposed to do or feel like or the weight of it to remind them are they dreaming or are they in reality but they never really know until they can check their totem. Now, let me argue this. I think at the end, he was still dreaming. Mm-hmm. Because, because the image that you get when he finally comes back to his children is the same flashback mm-hmm. that he has had throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, weren't the kids the s- like wearing the same clothes and everything? Same clothes, yeah. they do the same movements, everything. And yeah. that's flashing, th- you know, throughout the entire movie. I also heard something. There's something about like Michael Caine, where he left Michael Caine in London, and then when he gets to his final destination, Michael Caine's there. 
which was kind of interesting. Oh, I'd have to see that. I'd have There's, to see well, that. I, I mean, remember they have these things called planes. No, but <laughs> Leo already left, and he was already on his way there. Oh, right. So right. they were saying that if he went there, like, how did Michael Caine beat him? If he took off, like, Michael Caine's still at the school or wherever, and he, like, oh, took off. Oh, yeah, that's and right. And Michael Caine shows up at the end at his house, I think. At the airport to at pick him up. At the airport to pick him yeah, up. He was in London. True. That's true. I, I, don't I didn't even I think don't know about for, that. I'm not positive. I just remember somebody mentioning that, and I kind of thought about that and like looked. I remember I watched it again. Something else is like, interesting. Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. No, that was, that was it. But. No. I think something from else. like a – oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I, was just, I was thinking about something that just occurred to me. I just no, like, um, there's so many interesting things about this movie, but the soundtrack, <laughs> yes. it's yes. one song. One song, <laughs> the, you know that 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 song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, but that part, you know that. Blah, right. That's one. That's the one song in the soundtrack just slowed down by like I, different I forget. Type of speeds. Yeah, but basically the whole movie it's like has one kind of soundtrack that goes throughout the whole thing. It's, that 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 fits with it with the theme of the movie because every time they go into a different layer of dreams, time sort of expands and yeah. slows down. Slows down yeah. I actually wanted to touch on that. Like uh, I mentioned earlier, the action movies are like, pretty much my favorite genre. It's the reason why I have Raiders is my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. But I think looking at it from the perspective of an action movie fan, the ingenious thing that they did for the script is because like there's different layers, like a uh, like a dream within a dream within a dream. Mm-hmm. But like during like all these kind of layers, there's actually like a really cool action scene going on. Right, yeah, you, in every one. Yeah, exactly. At you're the getting, same time, you're getting like like three or four actions movies, <laughs> all, like all at once. Like you're getting bang for your buck. Like you got the guy, like uh, he's driving the van, and he's just like trying to get away from the motorcyclist. Yeah. And then you got Joseph Gordon Lovett like fighting, fighting in a rotating hallway. hallway. Yeah. And then you got Leo like uh, trying to like invade like some snow base. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like this is amazing. I'm watching like three action movies at once. Oh, yeah. I love this. Bang yeah. for your buck. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I do. Whenever I go buy an action movie ticket, I'm like, I really hope I get my bang for my yeah, buck on exactly. this one. <laughs> so from the action movie perspective, Inception has to rank up there. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So uh, I would have to say thanks for sticking with us this this long. I mean, we yeah. know it's been a long one, but uh, definitely one for debate. Uh, that's kind of why we ran a little over time on this one. But thank you so much. I'm your host, Jonathan. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, John. Nope. Thank you, JJ. I think next week we're doing uh, top five bands we love to hate. I thought it was just top five bands you hate. Top five bands we hate. Oh, gosh. All right, so tune in next week (laughs) for top five bands we hate. Uh, And uh, this is top five. Thank Thank you very much, everybody. 